Welcome to the Voice of the Force, Temple Archives, Books, The High Republic, Out of the Shadows. My name is Noma, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Dan. Hey, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Not bad. I'm glad that we're all caught up with the High Republic now. Uh, yeah, that's right. We've only got one more book until we're done with this wave, so mm -hmm. it is exciting. And uh, speaking of books and co-hosts, I am also joined by my second co-host, Ed. Hello, hello. How's it going, man? Pretty good, pretty good. Awesome. So, before we jump into this review today, Ed, do you mind giving the viewers a quick description of what this podcast is about? Yeah, so on Temple Archives, what we do, we give you Star Wars canon stories, could be any sort of media, could be novels, could be comics, could be TV shows, could be movies. We summarize the story for you briefly, we give you a spoiler-free kind of summary, and then we really do a deep dive on them. Um, we kind of try to figure out where it fits in the timeline, if it has any Legends connections, what canon connections it does have. And then from there, we have a little bit of a discussion on it once we do our little summaries. And then we try to figure out, you know, did we like it? Did we hate it? Did we love it? Did, do we recommend it? There are all these things that go into it. But overall, we really enjoy what we do, and we hope you enjoy listening to it. And if you have anything that you'd like to recommend or you'd like to hear more of, or if there's a certain topic you're not sure of and you want a bit more explanation on, there's tons of ways to get in contact with us. Dan's got a whole list to go through. But the important thing is that we're always ready to listen. We're always ready to hear you. So if there's anything you do want to say at all, feel free. Yeah, you can find us over at voiceoftheforest.com. Uh, where you can find all of our episode posts and our shop and anything that we have specials or contests going on. That's all there. You can also contact us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com and let us know about anything that you loved or hated or want to tell us about for Star Wars. And you can find us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at voiceforcepod. If you retweet and share your stories, our new episode tweets or posts, does help with growing our listener base and we really do appreciate it we say it every episode so please take the time to do that because it really does help you can listen rate review follow and subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts soundcloud spotify amazon music and all major podcast platforms if you review us with five stars on the podcast platform of choice and you add a comment to let people know what you liked about the show it does help with people finding our podcast and have more listeners on the show to voice more opinions through the voice of the horse and if you subscribe or follow for free on your latest pod on the podcatcher of your choice, you will get the latest episode downloaded to your device as soon as it releases. No worries about trying to remind yourself to do that and download it and make sure it's on your phone or streaming it. You have it on the device right then and there. And remember to listen to the outro to find out what we'll be covering on the next episode of Temple Archives. Spoiler alert, it is not the High Republic this time. That's right. We've still got a little bit of time to wait before we get to Edge of Balance. So, uh, yeah, now that we have finished this intro, let's head into the synopsis. So, for The High Republic Out of the Shadows, the author of this book is Justina Ireland. The cover artists are Ario Anandito and... Gregors Krasinski. Greg Why is there a Z? Oh, no. Krasinski. And the narrator is Kaylor Lay. Uh, as always, if I have mispronounced or butchered any of your names, I apologize for that. And the cover art that we get here is it's that same kind of, uh, you know, we're jumping back to kind of Rising Storm and Light of the Jedi style, where it's a lot more... Even Tess of Courage-ish. Uh, 
Well, uh, yeah, I was getting to that, uh, where it's a lot more realistic, but there is uh, kind of they're drawing elements from Race to Crash Point Tower and Test of Courage, yeah. where they're adding a little bit more cartoony looks, especially around kind of like the eyes and uh, well mostly yeah it is basically the facial features interestingly though for me i, I will sorry i'll describe the, the cover before i get into it but we've got uh sylvester yarrow on the front who is one of our main characters and she is flanked by vernestra Rowe and imri canteros and they both got their really? lightsabers is that wreath no i, I think that's imri imri has <laughs> got a new lightsaber now doesn't he it's like has a cross guard and everything um i don't think so Wreath has a green lightsaber He's still a Pottermore. It could be Wreath. I, 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 I thought know. it was Emery, but it could be Wreath. Yeah, it honestly, I'm I'm not 100 percent sure myself. Okay. Uh, is it bad that I can't tell the difference between the two white Jedi? No, nope, not <laughs> at all. Because they look very Jedi similar. Ones. Yeah, <laughs> but no, that is a good point. Uh, it could be Wreath. It could be Emery. I'm not too sure. Uh, and blonde. yes, you're right. It is. Yeah, it is Wreath. This is not Emery. Emery is blonde. Yeah. And he's got, oh, like, the okay. undercut yeah, on both and, sides. Yeah, and Reet does have the kind of sandy brown hair. So. You are okay. correct on that, Ed. Good catch. Yeah. And uh, so behind them, we've got a horde of Nihil kind of bearing down on them, which is kind of accurate to the book. <laughs> I'll get into that later, though. But, uh, yeah, so like I was saying before, it's mostly the facial features, but what's interesting to me is that it's mostly on the female characters. Like, Silvestri and Vernestra both have kind of more cartoony facial features, but Wreath doesn't. Wreath mm -hmm. is much, much more realistic. A chisel than uh, everything. Yeah, it, it looks a lot more realistic than the slight cartoony features. Not that it's, you know, it doesn't really feel genre-breaking to me, but it is just a little kind of note there. But uh, yeah, it's nice to be able to see these characters again. And, you know, now, now that I know who it is, get a second shot of Wreath. Uh, how about you guys? Any thoughts on the covers? Yeah, the Nihil, it took me a while to notice them in the background because they, the three main ones were kind of right in mm. the middle there. Mm -hmm. But when and I did they, start looking at them individually, they're creepy, man. They're, it's it's a scary picture. Yeah, right. It starts to kind of... This this book, I think, is a really good example of, like, you know, why the Nihil wear these masks for a fear purpose, as mm -hmm. opposed to, you know, just for the war gas and stuff. Mm. <laughs> One of the things that I thought was funny is the far left Nihil on the cover mm. looks like an elephant to me. Yeah, it's this. It's, it's a, a it's big tube, right? Tube, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's the. Is it Kubaz or? Uh, probably. He, he may, maybe, maybe not. Four. It it could just it could just be a thing, but yeah, I, I get the Kubaz because they have that long trunky. Yeah, snuff. yeah, yeah. We do get some. <laughs> we do have some other covers as well. I'm just putting them in the chat here. Once we're done talking about this one, I forgot to add them in. But yeah, there's some Target exclusive and Walmart exclusive, respectively, okay. um, in there. And they're, they're all right, but... <laughs> they're a lot less... That's interesting, because you said these two are exclusives? Uh, these are, yeah. The first one is the one with the Nihil mask on it. It's not Lorna. It looks kind of like Lorna, but it's not. Um, yeah, because the second one's Lorna, right? Yeah, this one's just a random person. Yeah, so, it, might so... be, it might be Nan. So the first cover that we're seeing here is, yeah, it's it's just a extreme close-up of a Nihil in a gas mask, and it's such a close-up, you can't tell what race or gender they are. Yeah, it's just all it's, mechanics, yeah. It's cool, but it's a little bit underwhelming to me, because it, it doesn't give you an say idea of what's anything on about it. the book. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's just a picture of a close-up Nihil. And then we the second one, which is also kind of interesting, but it's it, we have three Nihil. And it's Lorna D flanked by Canada, looks like. a human and 
Is that fan? It that, might be. I don't know. That guy looks way too tall. Was huge, and he's not even. An oh yeah, he's really. he's a he's a big yeah. He's tall he's, too. Yeah, yeah, he's a Dotan. This this guy almost looks like um whatever Mac, species Max Rebo is. Oh yeah, the little blue guy. Yeah, the the kind of elephant trunk guys. Yeah, but honestly, and I mean, I mean, no offense to the artist, I just think because they're exclusives, they're both kind of underwhelming as exclusives. Yeah. Yeah, they don't really add too much because these two pictures don't have anything to do with the story. Yeah, yeah. I like, mean, they're the both... third one might have a little bit, but very little. But look at these barely in this. That's story. what I'm saying. Yeah, it's not very. It's not very. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the art's really nice. I really like the art of these Nihil, but it's just like. This looks like print or, or, you know, like maybe like an inside cover for me, not necessarily like exclusive. Yeah, so, and it's the same st art style, both of them, as the first one. You can kind of yeah. tell with like the shading and stuff. I think they were all done by the same people, I would assume. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. They're, they're all pretty good. I like the first mm -hmm. one, the original cover. It gives you an idea of like who's in it. They're struggling. I like the gas. That's kind of the Nihil's like uh, cloud stuff they use. That's kind of good. Yeah, I thought it was pretty pretty nice cover, and it just gives you an idea of what's going to happen, I guess. Yeah, and uh, speaking of what happens from here, let's jump into our synopsis. In the wake of the Republic Fair, the Jedi and Republic begin to turn their full attention to the Nihil and Dringir threat. Holler, Sylvester Yarrow, encounters a freak accident that turns out to lead to a looming new threat. Her life will intersect with the Jedi Vernestra Rowe, Imri Kantaros, Wreath Silas, and Master Comax, as the group attempts to discern the truth of a sinister new Nihil weapon. All right, so yeah, as always, that's our you know quick spoiler-free discussion. And uh, yeah, overall thoughts on this book. I guess I might as well go first, sure. since I you know we'll start with the worst and get to the best. I was kind of disappointed with this book, and that might partly be my own fault because I've been very hyped up for what is basically the last book of Wave One. But I kind of went into it expecting a smaller version of Rising Storm. Yeah, same. And it is, it kind of turns into a slower version of Into the Dark in, in terms of the facts that th this book takes a long time to get started. Like three quarters of the book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we listened to it all on Audible. And it's a 10-hour book, and the first seven hours were very slow. And that really kind of drew me out of it. I mean, uh, you know, uh, the other two, I, I, I read it, I basically read it last. But, you know, Dan and Ed both told me, like, stick with it. It gets good at the end. And it does get good at the end. But it kind of feels the same way that another book, that a Warhammer book I read called Pariah was, uh, where it's okay. it's just there's so much stuff that they put in where I don't think a bunch of it is necessary. And it's really good at the end, but it's just like, we could have had more of this. The, the, you should have stretched this out across, you know, more than just the last quarter of the book, basically. There's a couple other things that do bug me, and I'll, I'll get into those in the spoiler discussion because I don't want, want to get into it too much. But there's a couple of characters in this book, and I don't understand why they're there. Yeah. Yeah, they just kind of, they feel like very hollow versions of the originals that we've seen in the other books. Mm -hmm. But, uh... Yeah. Um, outside of that, I, there are like, it's not all negative points for me, at least, <laughs> you know, sometimes they kind of are. But one thing I will say is a lot of the emotional depth and kind of internal character growth is really good to see, especially with some of the returning characters. It's uh, this book did something 
again, I'll, I'll try to hold off on this, but th- this book did something that Rising Storm also did with me, where it, it was taking characters I didn't care a whole lot about and making me really invested in them by the end of this. So, uh, yeah, those are my overall thoughts, basically. Ed, how about you? Uh, after finishing it and having a few days just to think and go over it, I've gone from slight just kind of eh feeling about this book to just a very neutral stance on it. Yeah. This book mm-hmm. is an information dump. And it's it's mm. an information dump to really set up the next phase of this. We'll see what happens with the last book that's coming out for this act one, I mm. guess. But this was big setup. It's it's a lot of characters up to this point throughout several novels have reached a certain point and then we just stop hearing about them. Mm. So with the end of this book, it's like, okay this is all here now. These are things that you're reserving for later, or this is for later, or we won't talk about this yet. It's a lot of yet with this book that comes up. So I don't see it as a bad or good book. I see it as a necessary book. And it it needs to be there, whether liked or not, because this will be... It's, it's like how I felt about A New Hope after a long time. For a while, I just didn't like the movie, and I would just skip right to five. <laughs> but you need you need a new hope to establish something, mm-hmm. right? And with Out of the Shadows, it it establishes a lot for for way future things and stuff in this current period that that need to be addressed. Mm. But would I read it again? Probably not. I got what I yeah. needed to get out of this book, and that's just the bare bones fact of it. Um, there are things that also cause me not to want to read it again, but that's more preference other than should you or should you not read it. This is definitely a you should read it. You should get through it, at least. Yeah. It's yeah. If you go into this book with just a feeling of, I need to read this for the knowledge of knowledge's sake, go for it and just power through. Mm-hmm. If you want to spark notes this book, that's what I would recommend if you really just don't have 10 hours just to kind of you're not doing anything for a week and in that week you have a free 10 hours scattered throughout yeah by all means if you're pressed for time and there's other things you could be doing spark notes it Mm -hmm. yeah I agree with that some of the things that I like I agree with what you guys have said so far there were some interesting new characters we got a new creature we got in this as well which is kind of cool I like that uh, I got to see some characters that we saw in the past, but as Noma said, they kind of get hollowed out, which is kind of weird. Mm. And then the audiobook, which is what we all listen to, we don't we don't read it usually. And it was done by a different company rather than Random uh, Random uh, Penguin, Penguin Random, Random House. House. And then mm. there's another one that does a kids book, and this is a third party that I don't know who I can't remember what they said at the beginning, but okay. it was a different one. And they have a different narrator, Kayler uh, Kayler Lay. Did an all right job, mm. I think, as a narrator. And then mm. there was no sound effects and no no like um, music. Music yeah, that went with it. All. So I, that kind of took away from it. I, I find the audiobooks do a lot better, and I, I like them, enjoy them more, and I'm more interested and engaged with them when there is, you know, the audio mm. cues and we get like the you know doors yeah, opening, it, sound the, effects the, of ships shooting in the background, like yeah, it, it's the ambience that's drawing you in. That, so it's it's painting that picture a lot easier in your mind, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the publisher for this was Disney Lucasfilm Press. Yeah, and that's funny oh. because they have <laughs> the rights for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's I, I think that's the publisher, but that wasn't the that. that wasn't the people who oh, did the, the audiobook. The it is an interesting thing that you mentioned because 
for myself as someone who reads a lot of the uh well reads listens to a lot of the warhammer 40k audiobooks it's a little bit of a thing that i can kind of pull myself between because ed i'm sure you've heard this as well none of the warhammer 40k books have any any music or sound effects in them mm. No, but that is where the experience of the narrator really shines Mm -hmm. a light for, I won't get too deep into it, but Dan Abnett's ones with, um, uh, Toby Longworth. Toby Longworth is an amazing narrator. Good job. Yeah. And there are so many times that as he's narrating it, I completely forget that there's no audio because I'm so enthralled by his voice. Um, I'm currently listening to Dune right now. And I'm getting the same feeling from because it's it's like almost like an audio drama mm. where you have several narrators working within the same functions. It's not like one has a chapter and one has a chapter. No, it's mm. their characters who are oh, having conversations. Cool, cool. Yeah. And so because of that, you really don't consider the lack of sound effects. Rather, you're mm. creating them yourself while these people are talking. It just, it just happens. Yeah. And you're painting the picture, you're painting the room. And I, I have no history with Dune whatsoever. So okay. I love going into this just like completely clear slate. And you can mm. see the the parallels where Star Wars got a lot from oh, it yeah. and, 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 and the vice versa, yeah. right? Uh, there's just some characters like one of the narrators does an amazing job of one of the characters. I thought it was James Earl Jones for a second. Oh, wow. Ooh, and I was just like, yo, Vader, what? And the way he was talking, he was just like, this is, I had to look it up. I paused and looked it up. And that was like, I didn't care that there was no music at that point because mm-hmm. everything they do with the narration, the narration, sorry, and the editing yeah. and all that really speaks to it. So for Sounds out of the shit. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for the, for out of shadows, I thought there would be audio at the start because they start off with the musical score. Yeah. And once that went away, I was kind of just, okay. But this Justina Ireland did a good job with the descriptive words. Yeah. She added a lot of painted. She painted the picture with her words for sure. Yeah. Cause if you, if you have no audio and then you barely have any like really descriptive adjectives, it just gets dry. Mm -hmm. I found that with race to crash point tower a lot. I was doing it because I was so used to the audio things and I kn- I was noticing the lack of where I was forcibly doing it myself, whereas here it was just happening naturally. So, so I, f- I figured out who it was at the beginning. It's mm-hmm. Buena Vista Books Publishing, Inc. Ah, uh, okay. Which is a subsidiary of Disney. So you still have access to everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's one. I'm like, it says, uh, there was something in April 1989 that was called Buena Vista Publishing Group and mm. it changed its name to Disney Publishing Worldwide. Okay. And then they have subsidiaries underneath the Disney Disney publishing stuff, and this is one of them. So I guess they just didn't have the the they didn't want to put the money towards it. I would assume to mm-hmm. give the hours for the people to put the music and do the editing for that, right? Because like that mm-hmm. takes a lot of editing to do that kind of stuff. Like we all know that now doing the podcast, like it's gonna take a long time to get those sound effects perfectly, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and having that b- massive bank of stuff, I'm just I'm just confused by random. Ha- like, uh, Penguin Random House has them and uses them because they do a really good job every single time, mm-hmm. regardless of how good the book is. With the editing, they do a fantastic job. You know, they should be the template. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that Buena Vista didn't do it or was not allowed mm-hmm. to, right? Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, apart from that, yeah, that's basically it for the overall thoughts. Just kind of, it was like it was okay. It, it got us some information and some things happened and cool. But it wasn't a Rising Storm book. That no. has t- like mm-hmm. I think our, our expectations were very much like high going off of the Rising Storm and then slightly coming down from the comics. 
filling in some of those blanks and then this was like what's gonna happen next and then mm. it's just like i don't know until three hours before it ends and you're like yeah <laughs> this almost feels filler but it's still it's very very filler like mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So. and the the one other thing that i think is an interesting point with this book is that mm -hmm. this is kind of like the big crossover event because we're getting characters from a whole bunch of different books yeah and yeah. that's you know the we're getting from the children's books and the young adults books and the adults books and you know the main kind of plot line and then even a couple of people from the comics kind of popping in and stuff like that so this is uh, the big amalgamation mm -hmm. of everything coming together which is cool to see but uh you know we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more with the next part and you know speaking of that with what or i guess the last thought before we hit into this is you know like we've all kind of said this is a book that's worth reading i think especially because like ed said this is i feel also this is really going to set us up for wave two mm. of high republic it's you know it's not exactly like we said it, it's got a couple of hiccups but overall it is good for understanding where we're going from here but uh, yeah, from here, let's get into our full kind of description and discussion here. So as always, here is the spoiler warning. If you would like to read Out of the Shadows, then we would recommend stopping here and going to listen or read the book yourself and then coming back because we're going to just talk. We'll, we're just going to talk just assuming that you read the book. So I'm not going to hold anything back. Spoilers are ahead. Spoilers, 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 spoilers. And with that being said, let's get into the full synopsis first. So as always, and also just because I'll be honest, I kind of wasn't really paying attention to parts of this. I'm going to go real quick through the full synopsis of this book. But uh, yeah, we start off with we are introduced to Sylvester Yarrow, who is a new character. And we are introduced to her crew, who barely matter in this book, and her ship, which also barely matters. And I don't actually remember it's the Springtail or Springhawk or something. Um, Springhawk is from the Chiss ones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I knew I was thinking of that from something else. But uh, yeah, they're going through hyperspace. And the reason why I said their ship and the crew don't really matter is because at the very opening of the book, they are dragged out of hyperspace and attacked by the Nihil. And, you know, Sylvester is really confused by it. And basically her crew, which consists of a switchback. older it's Celestian. Switchback. switchback, okay. An older Celestian and an ancient security droid. Like, this thing is so old that it, like, creaks and shrieks and all this stuff when it moves. They basically are able to escape and get out, and they try to head to Coruscant, but some stuff happens, and basically only Sylvester is able to go to Coruscant. The rest of her crew has to go to some other planet that I don't remember. Because, <laughs> again, it, it's Hope something. Hope's fall or Hope's something. But they have to go there and, and just not be in the book anymore. So she lands on Coruscant, as we kind of swap back to, we get some nice stuff with Vernestra and Imri, who kind of catches up to speed on what's been happening around Starlight Beacon, where it's just, you know, these constant missions out into the frontier to try and fight off the Drenger and the Nihil. And Vernestra kind of tells us that, you know, they've been fighting the Nihil and winning, but it doesn't seem like it's doing anything. The Nihil just, their attacks aren't, aren't decreasing. They don't seem to be losing morale. It just keeps happening. So the some members of the council are getting frustrated and some Jedi are getting frustrated. We can, we get an interesting part where Avar and Stellan aren't getting along right now. So we kind of see some bickering from them, which was interesting where Stellan, I'm kind of skipping, like I said, I'm kind of skipping through a lot of stuff that happens here, but Stellan basically orders for Vernestra and Imri to come back to Coruscant because he's got a mission for them. 
And Avar's like, no, I need Jedi. What are you doing? And Stellan actually just is like, yeah, I'll see you when you get here, Vanessa, and just cuts the link. Just hangs up on Avar Chris, and she's not happy about it. So we get some interesting also other insights into Vanestra here, where she reveals to Avar Chris, or I guess to us, Avar Chris already knows about this. She hasn't told Stellan about her light whip because she is kind of concerned about how he'll take it. And Avar basically says, like, look, you don't need to tell. I won't tell him. You can tell him whatever you want, but just keep in mind: the longer you hold a secret, the more it might end up hurting when you reveal it, which was cool. And from there, we kind of get them and Vernestra and Emery start interacting with Wreath Silas and Komak, who have returned from a mission. And we get a little bit of backstory for them, which was cool, where it turns out that Vernestra and Emery were younglings together growing up. And now, you know, obviously... Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, Vernestra and Wreath were younglings together. And now, obviously, you know, Vernestra surpassed uh, Wreath. And he's a little bit jealous. And we, we get into something that I started to get really annoyed with halfway through this book, which is all the Jedi are fucking horny as hell because turns out Wreath has a crush on Vanestra too. And I was like, cool, all right, well, why not? So we get a lot of interaction on Starlight Beacon with these four Jedi for a little bit where we kind of have... It's interesting because Vanestra also, it turns out here, has a lot of not necessarily imposter syndrome, but she's really struggling with and really getting annoyed with the fact that a lot of the Jedi don't look at her as a knight. They look at her like a Padawan with upgrades, basically. Like, a lot of people don't take her seriously because she's 17. So she originally gets annoyed with Comac because he thinks that he's treating her like this. He's kind of dismissive of her and just kind of being like, oh, yeah, 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 you're, you're, you're a knight. Oh, okay, sure. And Venestra is not happy with that. But... It basically what ends up happening is it turns out that they get into a small conundrum, which is that the the fleet master of Starlight Beacon, who is a floating cloud, so that was also kind of interesting, is uh, is not willing to give Vernestra a ship because she's crashed so many of them, and what she basically ends up having to do is hitch a ride with Wreath and Comac because he'll let them take ships because they haven't crashed them all, and we get some the beginnings of some good bonds of friendship between Vanestra and Comac, as Comac basically is joking with Vanestra, being like, oh, I see, you've picked up Stellan's habits. And Vanestra's like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, go ask your master how many ships he's crashed. And uh, so that was really nice. But from there, a lot of other stuff happens. We get a lot of, of other backstory things going on. And as the, the group of four Jedi are on their way to Coruscant, they stop by this frontier planet called TK, and they stop by there because they're getting a distress signal because they're being attacked by the Nihil. And while that's happening and they're starting to get there, it turns out Vanestra has a power that we haven't really heard about before, but she has this ability in hyperspace to form this kind of link with the Force that can send her a vision sometimes. So it sends her a vision of this Ugnaught family kind of cowering during the Nihil raid, and, and the wife says to the husband, I can't believe you stole that artifact, you've killed us all. And he's like, no, no, we'll be okay. And so they land with to assist basically there's there's only one jedi on the planet it's a chagrin and i can't remember his name but they help f- kind of fight off the nihil they arrive too late though because the ugnats have all been tortured and murdered and vernestra has to end up teaming up with the marshal the frontiersman marshal of this planet whose name is uh dradana sparkburn and Love she has the the i didn't like the last name at first but yeah. it started to grow on me as it went on and she has a very interesting creature, which is a light. <laughs> the best way I can describe it, it, yeah, it's called a Volca. It's a, it's like a lightning cat with horns. Yeah, it's Vol- a- Volt and cat, Volca. No, oh, it's I- the Star Wars equivalent. You're welcome. It's the Star Wars equivalent of a coral. 
Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. It was really cool. Uh, had like these like horns that could like generate electricity and stuff. Yeah. So this this was something that just kind of was stuck in my head. Was if anyone's watched Watchmen, watched or read, I guess Watchmen. I for the entirety of the rest of the book, all I could picture was Bobaton, uh, which is yeah, <laughs> Ozymandias's pet, the genetically modified tiger. But yeah, so they kind of meet and. We kind of get some backstory with just the fact that TK has just been being hit for the last year by just different asshole groups of assholes, basically. Yeah. Where the Nihil raided it a bunch of times, and then the Drangir attacked, and then the Zygerians tried to come down to take slavers, and then the Nihil... Or- take slavers take slaves and then the nihil came back again and it's a colony that's gone from thousands to hundreds because of all this constant fighting and jordana is also incredibly jaded because as we kind of learn later on she's called and asked well no she's called and asked for help multiple 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 times and no one's responded Mm -hmm. and all that's actually happened is they've lost more jedi either going off on other missions or just dying Mm -hmm. but Komak and Renestra basically help her agree that they can take all of the past, all of the remaining survivors of TK and take them to Starlight Beacon as refugees. And while they're doing that, they will take Jordana to Coruscant so that she can try and report in what's happening on TK and try to get some help for these people. So they all head there. And at the same time, Silvestri is trying to figure out what to do on Coruscant because no one cares about her story about ships being pulled out of hyperspace. She runs into this wealthy, very flamboyant, I think he's human, human uh, named Xylan Graf, who it turns out is one of like one of the richest families on Coruscant. He's part of the Van Graf family. And we learn kind of a little bit more uh, backstory that the Van Graffs are the a powerful, wealthy, noble family on Coruscant that uh, was doing hyperspace prospecting and made a fortune off of that, while the Santecas, which uh, Mari is part of, uh, were the Naboo equivalent of those hyperspace prospectors who then grew into power and, and fame and riches and glory. And the Santecas are important in this story, not just because of Mari, but because Jordana is a distant blood cousin of the Santeca dynasty. So she has, you know, power and and influence, but a lot less than an actual Santeca would, basically. But Xylan basically has a bunch of talks with Silvestri to eventually convince her to be like, okay, look, you had this this weird pull out of hyperspace, and if you come with me and you tell your story to a bunch of people, I'll try and hook you up with a contract with my family and a line of credit, and you can do whatever you want. You have a bunch of money, all this cool stuff. Come with me. And so she eventually agrees to try and you know get everything, all all the resources she can out of Xylan. And that ends up with her talking to a Gungan professor whose name is something Wode. Wolk. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, Thaddeus Wolk, which Thaddeus is such a weird name for a Gungan. Love him. But I, I don't. I know. But uh, yeah, Jar Jar, Tarful, Thaddeus. It's just like, uh, but anyways, Thaddeus basically talks with Silvestri and has a big kind of thing where it turns out that he taught her mother. And turns out, like, there's all this stuff about uh, Silvestri's mother, uh, Chansey, uh, that she didn't know anything about. Like, she went to military school, and she was this, like, insanely smart hyperspace scientist who had these ideas about creating a artificial gravity well projector that no one wanted to fund. So she ended up kind of going rogue and leaving the university with Silvestri's memories of her mother are just this like stern, weird, eccentric, holler businesswoman who was killed in a Nihil attack. But Thaddeus is like, no, 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 your mom is working with the Nihil and I want to prove it. And she, and 
Sylvester's like, no, that's bullshit. And around that same kind of time, we also learn in Sylvester's backstory that she was actually together with Jordana for a while, and uh, they had to separate, and that broke her heart, and she's been recovering from that up until recently. And that is important because then, of course, as it were, her paths cross with Jordana and Imri and Vernestra and Wreath and Comac all at the same time. But yeah, the, all of their paths kind of cross together with Thaddeus Wolk and Xylan Graf, where Xylan is basically, there's a whole bunch of stuff that kind of doesn't really matter here, but he, he basically wants the rights to a section of uninhabited space and the Senate won't give it to him. So he is like, hey, we'll bring Wolk along and we'll bring Sylvestri along since she's, you know, apparently the daughter of this evil mastermind that Wolk thinks and will prove that this space is uninhabited and then you'll give it to me so that my family can use it for weapons testing grounds. And so while he's having this argument and Vernestra and Emery get brought in as, as kind of like basically the, oh, these are the impartial spectators that you'll be with, Vernestra, Emery, and uh, Silvestri all go to meet with Thaddeus Wolk and they don't get a chance to actually talk to him about it because he gets assassinated and Sylvester's going to talk more about her mom and I kind of skipped this point but Vernestra and Imri find this little cube on TK it's the item that the husband Ugnot stole and they have no idea what it is but they think Thaddeus might know the symbols on it because it's some sort of like puzzle box but yeah Thaddeus gets assassinated and it's almost Vernestra's fault it's not really her fault but like she kind of helped with it and she ends up trying to chase down the murderer and he dies before she can get to him. And so, yeah, they're basically kind of stuck in this thing where it's like, who killed him? Why did they kill him? And at that same kind of time, the agreement that ends up being made between the Senate and Xylan is that he'll take all four Jedi and Sylvestri and Jordana Sparkburn and kind of go out and, and look at this section of space. And from there, they'll be able to determine if it's, you know, right or wrong and all this stuff. And then you'll get the business contract and blah, 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 blah. so they all had a, and as they're kind of flying on this yacht, there's a lot of other stuff happening. Vanestra gets another vision of some sort of ship where someone's calling out her name, but she gets interrupted by Imri, so she can't figure it out. And at that same time, Sylvestri charts their course and realizes that they're not going to the area that they were supposed to. They're going for a completely different area of space. And she's also having a lot of, I, I skipped over this as well, but she's having a lot of internal conflict about whether or not to trust Dradana, because Dradana really wants Sylvester back. And Sylvester's like, no, you broke my heart, fuck you. But is also conflicted because she does still feel a lot for her. But we kind of get this thing where they confront Xylan with this information of why are you taking us to somewhere where you didn't. Xylan's got a decent explanation where he's like, oh yeah, I'm, you know, we've got a Senteca. I want to make sure that we're not being followed or, you know, she's not sending information back or anything like that. So we're going to my mom's, sorry, my mom's, his grandmother's yeah, station. Yeah, right. His grandmother station, which is called Evergarden, and it's this gigantic, huge fucking station out in the middle of nowhere, and it's it's amazing and all this kind of stuff. All all the Van Graaff money went into this, basically. But as they're going there, we cut back to another point that I've kind of been ignoring, which is the Nihil are also in this, obviously. And so that kind of goes with Martian Rowe in a meeting with uh, Lorna D and Zetar, and I they introduce the new... Yeah. Tempest Runner, who I can't I remember can't their name. Remember, there. I can't even remember what species they are. They no, are. Nor do I. It was so quick and so yeah. like it's a fast little it, scene. It, it's not. Yeah, it's not super. I like. I think they're corn. I can't remember though. I think they're corn. I think you're right. I'm Ninety percent sure it's a female corn. Yeah. But I don't remember their name. But yeah, like like I said, with the crossover stuff, we get a lot of stuff here because we get uh, Nan is back and she's still uh, idolizing Marshawn as much as she was before, and we also get. 
he's here, but he literally doesn't do anything. We get Crick's Cameron from the uh, High Republic Adventures books, and he's just kind of there. And there's a feud between Nan and Crick's where Nan just wants to kill Crick's. Crick's obviously doesn't like Nan, but Lorna D basically says, hey, Marshawn, I've got a project that is really important and we really need to work on. If I use the Oracle, we can get it done a hell of a lot faster. Marshawn's like, oh, you want to use the the linchpin of my operations across the entire galaxy? Yeah, sure. Nan, go guard the Oracle with the Chadra fan who uh, was torturing Loden Greatstorm. And uh, Nan's like, yeah, I'll do it for you. I uh, This is going to be great. And so she and the this kind of storm, I guess, because Lorna D is not actually in charge. Chansey Arrow actually is. And, you know, I, I've kind of spoiled something, but whatever, we know it. Yeah. Celestri's mother is actually alive. She's working with the Nihil, and she's kind of in charge of this operation, basically. So we get a little bit of a back and forth where Nan tries to be like, haha, I'm the Ice favorite, and Chansey kicks the shit out of her. And it's like, like no, you're not. Yeah. You're not on this ship. You're nobody. Uh, do what I say and nothing else. And we get this whole thing spiraling out of control because one of the things Nan was supposed to do was to recover the cube that had been lost and Chansey's cloud fucks it up horribly as we see on tk they they just they don't get it back and they kill a bunch of people so nan executes the the survivor goes to talk to chancy chancy kicks the shit out of her and now we're here so as the jedi are heading towards evergarden we learn that nan and chancy are already at evergarden and they're talking with the matriarch of the van graphs graphs Kater... van van graphs isn't it Pretty sure it's just the Graphs. It's the Graph family. Yeah, the Graph family it? and the Santecas, yeah. Okay, I'm thinking of Fallout New Vegas then. Uh, <laughs> well, there, yeah, because there are Van Graphs in Fallout New Vegas. Oh, okay, that but, makes yeah, sense. Sorry, the, the Graphs. Katarina Graph, who's this like ancient crone who just, her face looks kind of young and the rest of her body looks like it's a prune. And we hear something about like, okay, you're allowed to do this ambush. We'll get our plan together, blah, 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 blah. And as the Jedi arrive at Evergarden, they are so basically, they're straight up ambushed. And Xylan didn't even know that the ambush is happening, even though he's part of the Graf family. His bodyguard literally was the one who starts it and basically like knocks out Xylan, drags him away. All the Jedi get taken out immediately, which I was like, what? Uh, okay. It's like four Jedi versus like a dozen nine. There's some weird things that happened in that ambush. I'll talk about that later because there were a couple things where I was like, I don't understand what you're saying. But anyways, they all get taken out. Jordana gets taken out too. Sylvestri is in the cockpit and she basically comes to investigate and her and the uh, Volcat just kind of bust through Xylan's bodyguard, but then run into her mom. And her mom's like, Sylvester, you're coming with me. And she's like, no, I'm not. And then her mom shoots her. And <laughs> that's basically the end of that. So... Vernestra wakes up again after being taken out on Evergarden and is like, what the hell is happening? She's trying to like recover from the gas that they used on her until Jordana runs up and is basically like, hey, you were gassed. But it turns out that the more you're gassed with this specific, it's a Zygarian slaver toxin, apparently. The more times you're gassed with it, the less effective it is. And we learn that Jordana has been gassed with it a couple of times because it barely affects her. And so she helps Vernestra get up. They run into Colmac and they have a showdown with the Van Graaff the the graph matriarch who is basically like oh i'm innocent none of this bad stuff happened to me and the jedi are like okay well she's a, she's it's all my grandson's fault yeah it's all my grandson's fault here take his ship and have your lightsabers back and i'm gonna Grandma, pretend that I'm it was all of us shut up yeah right yeah <laughs> basically well no. xylan's not even there no, but, yeah, but yeah, essentially and, yeah. And it, yeah and it's funny because dreadon like well she's lying and the jedi are like yeah she's lying it's a piece and, of shit. <laughs> but they they get on xylan's big ship which is the vengeful goddess it's actually love, a kind of cool name i love the it's, ship too it's really cool the, the yeah the description of the ship is it's basically like like your typical uh freighter ship but it's 
it was built by a guy with Iron Man or Tony Stark level money, but none of his coolness. And it's just strapped with way too many weapon systems. Like it basically the way they describe it. Well, the the way they they describe it is that it basically has the weapons capabilities of a small class capital ship, but it's a fucking freighter. Yeah. So they go off to try and find their Padawans because the Padawans aren't there with them and Silvestri. And the way they do that is I've skipped over this part, but they give the cube that they had to the matriarch who's able to actually unlock it. And it turns out to, we, we get a lot of stuff through this where it's like, Oh, we learn what happened to Mari Santeca where she was a kid and she had this like crazy ability that is just, she can just almost the way they describe it, it's almost like she can use the force to I mean, force sensitive. See, yeah, to, to basically chart and see hyperspace routes perfectly. And that's how she's been doing this ability. And they explain it's like this is like the rarest ability that exists in the known galaxy so far, basically. And it essentially uh, turned the Senteca's like hyperspace. It's it's what made them get rich, basically. Yeah, it's a, yeah she's yeah. very crucial to that. Yeah, but she also disappeared when she was a child. And people thought it was it was a whole bunch of other theories. But we know that, you know, she was taken by the Nihil. So, yeah, while that's kind of happening, uh, Sylvester wakes up on the area of space that uh, Xylan was saying that they needed to go to originally. And it turns out that the, the Nihil gravity well generator is actually there. And her mom was the one who was made building it because, you know, of a bunch of reasons that we kind of learn out later on. But yeah, her mom tries to convert her to the cause. And Sylvester's like, no, go to hell. You're a monster. So Chansey's like, haha, you'll see, you'll see my side eventually and leaves. We also got a moment where Sylvester wakes up and Nan is there and she just knocks out Nan like immediately. I was like, oh, okay. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> Is, yeah. like if, if I had weapons, you'd be dead you'd by be now. Dead. Yeah, it's like, yeah, well, it's you like, don't. Well, why why so, did you bring any? Yeah. Well, whatever. But uh, yeah, so basically the vengeful goddess comes out of hyperspace at the super weapon, which turns out to basically just be a bunch of cobbled together Nihil ships in the form of a giant wheel, which mm-hmm. was weird. But uh, Comac is like, yes, I'll lead the assault and maybe our backup that we asked for will come here. But in the meantime, you guys take an escape pod and get on the ship and, and you know, find the Padawans and Silvestri. They do that, and there's a funny scene where, you know, calling back to the fact that Vernestra likes to crash, or just as good at crashing ships, she gets onto the station by crashing the escape pod into the hangar bay. Important so, fact that I thought was really mm-hmm. interesting is the guy, he was so rich, and he wanted so many weapons on this thing, the escape pod oh, had escape two pod guns on weapons. it. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, overheating because they were using them. I was like, oh my yeah. god, this is ridiculous. This, hilarious, this guy. but also a good idea, right? If oh, you 100%. Have the pod, just, like, little attacked. tiny, you know, things, right? Something, right? But, yeah, so they crash... They get out, and basically, at the same time that they are crashing onto the hangar bay, Sylvestri and Imri and Wreath are able to actually break out of their prison cell, and uh, Nan escapes as that happens, and they kind of just try to run. They end up in Mari Santeca's room with the Chadra fan. Huh? The thing that they did to get out of that cell was break open the panel, oh, yeah. take Hot the wire, two wires, and put them together, and yeah. it's like... Because every good prison cell has the access panel on the inside of the prison cell, but uh, it was also... It, Kind of, it kind of was a storage room, right? Because there That's had true. all the storage crates in the back. That is true. But that yeah, is it, true. Was, it was horrifically simple. I was like, oh boy. And it's one of the only two times that any of Reith's character traits from the last book come into use here. Is he but a tech yeah, guy? He, he just he read up on everything. Yeah, yeah. He oh, was, that's he right. Was, he's, he's a bookworm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he knew a bunch of stuff. But uh, yeah, so they basically end up in Mari Santeca's room with the Chadra fan and a canister of gas. And then we cut away to a part that I thought was really cool. And I was like, yeah. I fucking love this part, and I'm sure as a Jedi, everyone else would hate it. But uh, Dradana brings out a, basically the Night Hill just swarm them as as the escape pod as they're trying to get out, and so Dradana pulls out this weapon. Into the galaxy moment here. 
Uh, kind of. It's it is kind of. It's basically like Yondu's arrow, except yeah. it's a chakram. If if you don't know what a chakram oh, yeah, is, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's a yeah. It's basically a throwing weapon that is. A, it looks like a frisbee, but it's all just a blade, uh, and it's got a hollow center. But she basically puts this thing together. It's like a nihil weapon that she took off of someone, and she uses it. And yeah, she throws it, and she's controlling it with these metal gloves, and she just fucking butchers the nihil. She's like hacking Some, them to yeah. pieces and yeah, I'm annihilating them. And she tells Vanessa when she starts it, she's like, you probably don't want to watch me do this. And Vanessa's like, why? And she goes, because the master on TK, the last time I used this, I got the longest lecture of my goddamn life. Yeah. And Vanessa watches it. Yeah, yeah, Master Oprah, that's right. The Chagrin. And yeah, as they're all being annihilated, Vanessa was like sick to her stomach. And I was like, this is so She had to yell at her cool. a few times to stop and like she forced yeah, pushed yeah. her over because she's like, you need to stop. Otherwise... You're gonna go fucking mad. Yeah, she there was there pushed was a... her because there's somebody who's running away and she was chasing. Yeah, them. she was trying to chase them. So there is a good point that they bring up here, which is that when Jordan is doing that, like she's not feeling happy like I was. Her face is just like this blank, like killer mask, basically. She's been dealing with it for so long. Yeah, it's just it's just this like cold psychopath look. And so yeah, basically the night he'll start to escape. She starts to chase them to cut them all down. And that's when Venice that force pushes her and is like, no, stop focus on what we're actually here for don't just butcher them all it reminded me of the younger like, moment right. on the ship when he's like when he breaks out yeah, of Matt, when he kills all everybody of the other, uh, yeah. Ravagers. yeah yeah the taser or taser face is a taser face yeah, yeah his yeah. guys yeah i was like oh that's perfect it's um, so good yeah but so basically like jordan is like all right yeah we'll go find them but if we find any more nihil i'm gonna fucking kill them and i like that we get to see the fact that well, i'll talk about it later on but you know we really get to see that jordan has had a fucking awful time this last year like, it's not been fun if, if she's gone this this far already. But basically, they all reunite at Mari Santeca's uh, room. Chadger fan's been knocked out. Uh, Reet's been gassed again. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why. He's there was no reason gas, for guys. it, but it happens. Oh, yeah. no. Uh, uh, um... The, the, through, yeah. the doctor threw the cat yeah, yeah, specifically yeah. at Reed. At, yeah. yeah, at Reed. I feel bad, but, it, yeah. but it was just like story-wise. I was like, why? There's no reason for him to get gassed again. It's just because. Yeah, I was like, uh, why, don't, why don't the Jedi, like... <laughs> Use the force to like they couldn't encapsulate they couldn't. the grenade before it goes off, and then like well, just yeah, toss in, it somewhere in, else or something. In they that couldn't. case, in that case specifically, they couldn't because they they couldn't connect to the force. That, that's true, um, but I mean, like in general, why don't the Jedi do that? Yeah, they do, remember, but yeah. it takes right now, right now. a lot. Oh yeah, with, storm, well, that's after they they've it. already activated. I'm talking like before, like you see it coming, like oh crap. I yeah, guess. In, in that case, yeah, any, ones maybe not so much. Well, no, well, anybody who had the connection would have done so or just pushed yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but we'll, the we'll fact get, that we'll they were in, so... Yeah, yeah, we'll get into it afterwards, but that is actually a problem I had with something that happens in this book where yeah. it's like, you couldn't force... They, they're literally like, he tries to force push it, but it doesn't work. And I was like, but why? Yeah. Anyways, yeah, basically, uh, all the Padawans start to escape. As they're doing that, Mari... Or Mari... Mar yeah, yeah, actually Mari, sorry. Mari and Vern have this little mindling moment where the whole time in the visions, Mari's kind of been telling Vanestra that I've got something for you. Find me. Come find me, please. We need to have this bond. And Vanestra opens this mind link with Mari and gets a secret path from her that, that Mari's been keeping from uh, Marcion Rowe. And basically with that and all of that stuff, kind of her job now being complete between Vanestra and Loden, uh, Mari Santeca's spirit basically leaves. And once that happens, Vanestra like severs the life support cables. So kills Mari, well, kills Mari Zanteca. She was already basically brain dead yeah. at this point. Yeah, but she kills the body. Such a weird explanation out. on that too, like how Mari Zanteca functioned. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, it's interesting. And it also just ties into the fact that I'm, you know, Mari Zanteca was probably force sensitive. Oh, she absolutely but, uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Right, to, to be able she to do this. He was a Skywalker. 
that's, that's yeah, yeah, that too. Sky, we, we, yeah. We mean Scott uh, when Ed says Skywalker, he means Ron. in the chiss sense, not yeah. the uh, Anakin sense. But yeah, they they run out of the station. A pathfinder, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. But as they run out, it turns out that the Republic, well, the Jedi did show up. So there's a bunch of vectors now doing battle with the Nihil or in full retreat. And they get to the hangar bay. Sylvester has one last kind of showdown with her mom where Chancey Yara is like, come with me. Together we can rule the science galaxy, mother and daughter. And Sylvester is like, no, you're kind of fucking insane. And she also realizes at this point that uh, Chansey, yes, joined up with the Nihil to do this project, but is also scared shitless of them now from some things that we know, because we also know that Chansey knew Lorna D and then got dragged into this, faked her death, and then kind of got stuck with the Nihil, basically. And so I, there's a point before this where Sylvester and Chansey are talking. She's like, look, you can come with me and we can just go into hiding. We can escape the Nihil. And Chansey's like, no, we can't. There's spies in the Republic. The Nihil have people everywhere. So Nan and Chansey basically escape on Sylvester's old ship, or well, her mom's actual ship. And her, uh, her, Jordana, and the rest of the Padawans escape on a skiff. We get, we get one funny moment in this where it's like right before they're about to escape, Jordana and, and Sylvester have their like reconnection moment. They kiss, and then Reith's like, "Hey, can we can we do this later? Yeah. Can, can we not when we're dying, please?" Uh, and so they they escape, and then it immediately just cuts back to Coruscant, and it, we go straight into the epilogue from here, where we get confirmation that I've been right this entire time. It is Terry Rose's son, who's the giant fucking yeah. dick bag on the council. He does it again. Well, she, yeah, exactly. It literally they, fucking opens with her. It, uh, she. she okay. it, it literally opens with her being like, Vanessa Road, did you think you were hoodwinked by Zylan Graf into being a Because a you were so young? Yeah. Because you're so young and off. you're so fucking stupid. And it's just like, you are literally a piece of shit. Nothing that this woman has said throughout the entirety of this fucking comic run has been anything. Oh, useful. sorry, comic run. In the entirety of High Republic has, yeah, has been good, useful, constructive, or correct. Yeah. <laughs> like, one thing. Yep. Yeah. Sure. He says one thing that's correct. Okay. She brings up the point that they are not police. Yeah, for yes. yeah they, are, they are not warriors. Yeah. He's they're very much on the side of Tiatun. On the side Yeah, they're side, supposed yeah. to be yeah. monks. They're supposed to be meditating, finding enlightenment, balance. Yeah. That's it. But so, again, you know, as, as, um, Comac and Stellan say in this book, you know, they are supposed to be the, Banishers of, of the dark, yeah, wardens of the light. You know they're supposed to fight the darkness, which again makes terror, which this makes Rosa saying, like, "Is the Drinker threat bad? I don't understand. Are they really that bad?" It's like it's a dark side threat. You fucking idiot! It's just like it just infuriated then, me. Stellan's but, just like, "Okay, let's let these. Yeah, can yeah. we dismiss these two and like <laughs> let's talk about this ourselves without the kids yeah, here?" Yeah, because it turns into this thing where where it oh like we kind of said like it turns into like, "Oh, we're not peacekeepers. We're not or we're, we're not uh, police. We're peacekeepers." Blah 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 blah. And Stellan's like, "Look." They don't need to be here for this. Just, just go, and then we can all yell at you later. And you can we do... tell it's been a thing with them oh, for yeah. a yeah, long Stalin's time now. And Stalin, just, he's fed up. Yeah, right. yeah. We can, we can definitely see the the uh, disenfranchisement growing within Stellan. Can I pause this just for a quick second? Nice... Sure. About this whole thing. So something I just made a connection with that might be the case is I think Avar Chris is like at odds, possibly at odds with Stellan because the council, which he's a part of is maybe on the side of Rosasan and being like the Drengar and eh, whatever. And maybe Avar's not getting enough resources that way. And that might be where he's like, I'm trying my oh, best. No, and, she's, she, and she's pissed. She's definitely and she's, not getting enough That's what I mean, right? Like, yeah. that might be the thing where he's like, she's like, you need to do better than what you're doing. Like, I'm trying my mm. best. You know, that's kind of what I'm feeling in with my head here so far. Like, yeah, it could be. And but, and there's, a, you know, there's some interesting things that we can kind of... I think they're setting up for Wave 2, yeah. where it is going to be the trio starting to clash with each other. Yeah, Elzar and everybody. 
Yeah. Oh, also, turns out, I guess Elzar's uh, Dark Side sabbatical ended early because he's the one who sho- he's one of the people who shows up to help in the uh, in the yeah during yeah. the assault. And he's like, oh yeah, he came from his new posting because he's not on Velo anymore. Yeah. And some planet that starts with a D is like, yeah, he's helping out. And I was like, oh, I thought you guys went on a. I mean, who knows though? It's, it's been, been it's been a, a while. It's been a little bit surprising. So yeah, so Stellan and and Elzar might have already gone off on that sabbatical. Ironically, I would like to hear about that. But anyways, there is another nice moment where as Vanestra leaves, she runs into Comac, and at this point, Comac and Vanestra have a really solid relationship. Because again, something else that I kind of glanced over was. While they're going to Evergarden Station, Comac and Vanestra have this talk, mm-hmm. and Comac kind of says something that Vanestra has been feeling this entire time, where he's like, "Look, I think Stellan did a disservice by having you take your trial so early. Yes, you're a prodigy. Yes, you're a genius. But the fact that you are now a Jedi Knight on your own, who has to learn all these things basically firsthand, and you've got a Padawan supporting you—that's a lot of responsibility and weight. And I think you're really scared of cracking under it." And Vanessa is basically like, yeah, that has been bugging me this entire time. It's the experience that she lacks, right? Yeah, yeah. And Comac is basically like, look, I'm here for you. I can help. I remember what it was like doing this stuff. And I know what it feels like to be just shit on by the council, basically, or just dismissed by them because they think something about you. So if you ever need any help, I'm willing to help you out if Stalin's not available. And so basically when they meet as they're leaving the the thing, Vanessa's really angry because they're like, apparently since I'm a kid, and a teenager, and I wasn't I wasn't deserving to be a knight this early. It's all my fault for fucking up with this stuff. And Comac has this like great bond moment where he's like, Don't worry, I'm gonna go in there and they're gonna tell me because I have my head so far up my ass and I'm always looking through all these books, I probably misinterpreted this situation, even though I'm a master, because I'm just a bookworm and nobody cares. And like I thought that was really great. But Um uh, just is this like imagine Vernestra's situation is like fifteen year old kid gets excelled through to university, goes through, finishes university by the age of like 19 and is trying to get a job and they're like sorry you're too young you don't have enough experience yet in your field it's like that thing it's just like you need six years of experience for an entry-level job and you don't have that that sorry you over because you're so young you didn't understand what you were doing and it's like no it's because none of us knew and the other thing too is (laughs) now that like comac said that i'm like you know what did stellan expedite like he might have thought that she was maybe ready to be a jedi knight but maybe he didn't think it through fully because he was being promoted to the Jedi Master and it, it could going have, into the council. Like, it could have been this, like, yeah, big rush of stepping stuff. stones, right? And I'm like, Stellan Geos isn't painted in the best light right now. Like, yeah. he, he kind of is, but kind of not. But I'll, I'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah, in, in a little bit. But yeah, because the story kind of ends. It ends for the good guys on a nice note where it turns out that Jordana and Sylvester have gotten back together. They're going to start doing hauling. And their freighter is the vengeful goddess. Yeah, they get it for free. It's like, oh boy. Yeah. Zion Graf basically signs it over to them. Is like, hey, I, I, I still uphold my end of the bargain because it wasn't my fault to betray you. Or sorry, it wasn't my plan to betray you like this. So I'm still going to pull through for you. Uh, so he's basically the the best graph at this point. Well, we've only got two to choose from. I but still didn't like him, graph. but yeah. I thought he was interesting, but yeah. He, so like I said, Jordan and Sylvester are back together. They seem very happy. They're going to go back and pick up the rest of Sylvester's crew, do their own thing. And uh, they kind of get a, a nice little reunion at the end because it turns out they're taking Imri, Vanestra, Wreath, and Kanteros. Kanteros and Comac all back to Starlight Beacon to, so they can continue their stuff and presumably help out Avar Chris. Mm-hmm. And from there, we don't actually end on the Nihil on this part. We end on uh, Nan and Chansey, who have returned to Evergarden. And it turns out that Chansey has Chansey and the Matriarch Graph have decided to double cross uh, Martian and have basically been like, all right, well, they think we're dead. As far as they know, we are dead. 
uh, I'm going to work for the graphs now, and I'm going to keep working on the gravity well generator on a hidden asteroid base. And Chansey kind of turns to Nan and is like, hey, uh, if you go back to Roe, you're probably going to die. And I'll take it back Nan like already... now if you want. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Nan is, is 100% like, yeah, no, she lost Mari. She lost the cube, which led to them losing Mari. And everything's on fire and dead. If she doesn't go back with something amazing, Marshawn's just going to destroy her. And so she basically is like, all right, I guess I'll turn informant for the graphs. What do you guys want to know? And we end there. And yeah, so that is the synopsis kind of boiled down into boiled less down. Than 10 hours. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, from about... here, let's get into the discussion, I think. The end and is very yeah, heavy. Like it's got a lot of stuff going on at the very the end. The last three hours are insanity. Yeah, I would and say three quarters some... of the book, you don't get a lot. You get introduced oh, to a lot so and slow. a lot of yeah. it, like that people are taking to get to that last quarter of the book yeah there there is one interesting easter egg that i like i kind of quasi got as I, I saw the dan wrote it down here but uh we get the fact that i guess maz kanata can live for a really well, she's over a thousand time. years old yeah, yeah yeah like we get it in like the force awakens where she's like yeah i've had this place for a thousand years or whatever mm, yeah because at the end of the book xylan also says to Sylvester, like Hey, if you want to contact, there's this person on uh, Takodana. You should go and meet with them. I, I didn't remember the planet name at all. Yeah. But uh, and then it turns out later on they're like, oh yeah, like he, oh yeah, Maz is reliable. And I was like, wait, Maz Kanata? Uh, okay, that makes I sense. I think she was one of the best sure. characters in the sequel trilogy that was introduced to like be in other stuff. She was an interesting character in one movie. That's what I mean, though. Like when that's, they introduced her, highest... she was interesting. Yeah. And then they kind of just. Well, episode <laughs> episode seven, they kicked or episode eight, they kicked the knee, like they took her knees out. No, she wasn't. They didn't have, <laughs> yeah, she they was. didn't have Yoda, so they had to put another wise old thing. I mean, they had let's Yoda in episode her, seven. What are you talking? Or episode let, eight? Let's make her orange and no, and female eyes. and have instead of Yoda's wow. instead of I can see it. instead of Yoda's ears and reverse speaking inflection. Let's let's just make I her like wise in that. I don't say I hate her. I'm just saying, in terms of a character, they had to do it's. It's nothing original. It's, it's not whatever. Yeah, that's that's beyond the point. The the one thing that I that I love is just that amazing, so important plot point of how did you get this lightsaber? Ah, a fun story for a different time because that was that was never happened that again. again. Yeah, right. But uh, that's the sequel trilogy, so whatever. But anyways, on to the Coming discussion. Back to this. Yeah, see who to start with this time. I guess let's go with Dan. What did you think of this book? It was all right. Again, I was kind of that slow burn for that first three quarters of the book. Mm -hmm. That's like the hardest thing that I thought about this book was just getting through that first three quarters. Like you get introduced to so much, so many little things are happening. You're like, okay, when is the things going to happen? And then when yeah. everybody starts to come together and then they go on that adventure with the graph, like Xylan, like that's when everything starts to lift off. Apart from that, we have this connection to a young reader's book uh, series called Adventures in Wild Space, which we haven't read yet. We will eventually. Um, they're short. They're really short books. So we'll probably cover most of them in, in one episode. But the kids in that are descendants of the Graf family. And oh, okay. they're traveling around with like uh, some robot, like their family robot and stuff like that. And they're on a ship and they're doing adventures in wild space, essentially. Um, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, I'm excited to see what that has to do with the Graf family from here. Like, how far has it fallen? Or, like, how far has it been, you know, farther away from the central Graf family or whatever? Kind of like how Jordana is with the Santecas. Essentially, yeah. And, like, the thing with this, too, is, like, these books were made about four or five years ago. So, like, the kids who read these books mm -hmm. would be old enough to read this book, I would say. Okay. And then 
they kind of might make that connection they might not with the graphs like mm -hmm. it's it's very subtle it's just the last name essentially right okay but in total it sets up stuff for the next little bit i know um justina ireland in an interview said like on the comic-con panel she said like sneak peek for this is basically like it's basically after outer shadows everything changes yeah and like, I, can, like. I can see mm -hmm. that like the nihil have lost mari senteca so they have no more surprises and paths. They only have the paths mm. they have, which I assume will be discovered eventually. Um, oh, they're already mapped. Yeah, and yeah. the Republic has them. But mo some of them, not all of them, right? From the from the Graf family, mm. and then we get the connection with Vernestra Rowe and Mari Senteca. And I thought that mm. was the I would say one of the best points, apart from the research, the interdictor gravity well yeah, yeah, research that, that becomes yeah. i guess the stuff from the empire i guess is where that kind of it, leads into yeah it is interesting that we're getting in high republic the progenitor for the gravity well generator system mm -hmm. which yeah you're right is is what the interdictors use to drag ships out of hyperspace and because... we even get we even get a, a um what's it called like a direct link to that yeah oh yeah uh chancy says like look if we can adapt this and you know make it more powerful and target right now we're just pulling things out we can eventually get these systems up before we can tell the time and the area that they're moving through which is what interdictors can do yeah right? exactly catch you on a hyperspace track and pull you out of it but and that happens yeah. like halfway through the empire's rule i guess it's not early empire it's yeah. mid empire to late empire yeah um yeah. so that's they that's interesting they used to have a timeline for the interdictors being built but i think that's legends now. yeah makes sense we haven't gotten too much on those other stuff, I would say, like, Sylvester Yarrow, I enjoyed her as a character. I thought she was great um, as a hauler and just kind of doing her own thing and trying to make her way. And, you know, Zylan tried to bribe her with a lot of money to to lie, right? Mm. And she was always double, like, she was thinking, she's like, shit, man, I did I make the right decision here? And then later on, she's like, no, I definitely didn't make the right decision. Fuck, I'm always going to tell the truth now. Fuck this. And, like, I thought that her character was interesting. I I enjoyed it. Her and... Jordana, I like yeah. their their relationship and like the back and forth and like Jordana's like crazy psychotic moment of like cutting people up. It was like mm. that's that's Star Wars because you don't know you normally get that with a civilian. You just get like blaster well, she, bolts. She wasn't really a civilian. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, she's not a Jedi. She's not cutting people up with a lightsaber, right? She's cutting people up with a bladed yeah, but instrument. We still, but we still have that stupidity from the Jedi at this point, where it's oh, we can't kill. Killing yeah, yeah, is wrong. Yeah, yeah. We can't do. And Vernestra gets. It literally bites her in the ass in this book. Oh, yeah. Where um, she's like, oh, I'm going to take off his hand so I don't kill him. And then that Nihil is the reason that she gets taken out. Yeah. Because he kicks her in the knee and knocks off her breath mask. Yeah, I think I think some of the things that I was kind of surprised about was Martian Rowe letting Mari Santeca out of his sights, off his ship. Like, that doesn't seem in character to me. Because, like, mm. that was his thing. And, yeah, by the end of Rising Storm, like, basically everybody knew about it. All the Nihil knew about it. But at the same time, it's like she's still a useful resource that he can still pull paths out of. The thing that I th I thought they were trying to set up was that they were putting him in a situation where he w couldn't say no without looking weak. The problem is it that situation never really actually pans out. Yeah. Like, because back in Rising Storm, we kind of get that thing where it's like, oh, we, you know, Panetta, I'm going to put you in a position where you can't say no. And then yeah. Marshawn turns it around. But in this one, it's like, Oh, we're gonna put you in a position where you have to let us do it, and the Martian just kind of says yes, even though the position hasn't been set up yet. I think he's yet. got other plans. Like he but, has uh, enough paths and things too, and I think yeah, that's that's where yeah. it is. Like he's he's got other machinations that are gonna make up for this. But who knows? This is the first time the Niles have taken a massive like loss in terms of in terms of resources. 
Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Two things. After Rising Storm, we know Martian's going more crazy than ever. Mm -hmm. So, no, whatever his judgment is, we can't say a damn thing about until we see if he reflects on it in the upcoming books. Mm -hmm. Or whatever his distracted mission was going through where he doesn't give a damn about Mari anymore. Yeah. Because as the Chadrafan doctor was saying, Dr. Uttersand, she's not responding to her regular stimuli anymore. Mm -hmm. So they've just gone. Shock. They've just gone yeah. to shock her at this point yeah. now, and her yeah. body already can't handle that. Mm. So, That's true. She was at the end of her ropes in this book, and I was so surprised to hear point, that because that was not... he's giving them refuse yeah. basically. Mm. So he's like, "Yeah, go ahead and take it. You want to feel important? You're not going to get shit. Yeah. And if you yeah. do, and you end up killing her, I can just kill you with justification at that point. Mm -hmm. yeah. Then I be strong. And right. That, that and is... that's sorry. Oh no, sorry. Uh, I was just going to say that is a good point though, because in light of the Jedi, she can talk, but by rising storm she can't anymore right yeah i mean so you the, that's true there is that very Decline. fast uh, it's yeah. not very obvious until we got to this book i think yeah so yeah. with that with that juncture being there it's he's already unleashed the leveler and seen all that now he's off for something else mm -hmm. so he's on this weird power trip binge to, to prove to his dead pulped up face father <laughs> and himself and the rest of the night hill that he mm -hmm. should be doing this because the eye was never a leader is what we understood he was just yeah. a part of the triumvirate he was, yeah he was like and, the the resource center yeah, and now that he's taken this position and everything's challenging him, and now his psychoses are coming up more and more, oh, yeah. it, he's going to be erratic, and he's going to make decisions that make no sense, and it's it's on us to interpret or not, or just leave it as it is. Very so true. Th that didn't really, that didn't really shock me at all. I it was kind of just like, yeah, it's what I expect from you now. It's he's laughing at things, and nobody can pick up. Even Nan just kind of like through her hero worship, she's like, oh yeah, he could do whatever he wants. So the weakness thing isn't there. Hmm. He's just doing it. It's just like, oh, you want it? Yeah, sure. And you're asking me in a way where, yeah, you're maneuvering where I can't say no, but I don't give a fuck. That's how much I don't care about what you say yeah. is what that looks like to the rest of them. They're just like, yeah, you, whatever. Sorry, you had two last points. To say. And then yeah. uh, I, I'm pretty much done. So Nan, why is she in this book? Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah she unless she's getting set up that. for something in the future, which could make sense um, with Chansey and all that. I it's, guess it's a we'll probably see thing. her in a different way. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing that ha kind of just happens with Nan where she takes the intelligent bat to the head. And weirdly, she's the only character that I can think of where they, for some reason, they do a tell don't show with her because they keep saying Nan's really smart and Nan's really crafty and she can get herself out of any situation and then she just doesn't mm -hmm. ever which was weird considering into the dark but uh yeah i think for nan what happens with her in out of the shadows we see her survival strengths yeah. into more than anything <laughs> into the dark yeah uh we see her survival strengths so that's manipulating trying to mm -hmm. stay alive trying to gather information so they're 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 planting the seeds for her in there and showing off one really strong side but that one really, really strong side is all we knew. So we couldn't, like, her craziness for the Nihil and everything comes up later. But that's just like, a oh, she's Nihil, oh my god, look how well she deceived me. That was mm -hmm. one of her strong points. We didn't see any of her other points at that point. That's why it was so jarring in this book for it to be like, why is she so after yeah. everything we saw? Everything, she's yeah. not thinking of survival in the first bit. 
And in the second bit, she's just thinking of doing her job for the people that she should know and be around. So that those those instincts at that point, I feel like those aren't those aren't being pushed to the forefront. So that's why we see her so dim. And I also think what, you're, you're right with that. With like in the first Into the Dark, she's not working to prove herself in the Nihil. She is Nihil, and she's trying to manipulate people that are not Nihil. In this, yeah, she's working within the Nihil the entire time. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it per, from that perspective, it doesn't seem as jarring. This is her home. Yeah. If, if anything, when they keep saying she's really smart, all those things are very true. She's just impulsive and brash and stupid, and she's beholden to people. What Chansey and the grandmother are saying at the end, they immediately shed a different thing because they're just like the one of the lines is she that Nancy's like she can she's never been her own woman yeah she's mm -hmm. never had her own freedom because yeah. i don't think she'll be working with chancy she's working with the graphs yeah, yeah, yeah. and because she's going to be an information broker or a spy or whatever it can which be. we will definitely she'll, see again she'll have the funding she'll have her own autonomy and they might want her to be in a certain she's like half leaf right mm -hmm. she'll be uh, an agent in a sector God, like, athlete. we, oh, we just we need this yeah. or we just want to know what's happening here go do it yeah. figure yeah. out your own way to do it but you're doing it you can live your life do whatever but you're still at the end of the day we need to know things that you you deem important for us to mm -hmm. know mm -hmm. right the so that's where we might see nan's full character come into bloom so we haven't seen that yet so this to call her so to call her hollow I feel it's a bit too harsh. Yeah, I think we so. Have now. The, yeah. the main the main reason I say that is because she does have one plan that she executes in this book, and it is a plan that actually made a lot of sense to me. Where she basically goes like, "Oh, I'm gonna leak. Mari Santeca is alive in her location. Yes, Santecas, they'll come in, fuck up Chansey's operation. I'll be able to escape." Somehow overlooks the fact that Chansey's in charge of this entire operation. She doesn't even consider that she might be monitoring ingoing and outgoing comms. Yes, but here's the thing. Again, because she thinks she's home and remember who she's around constantly, Nihil, who it's not Lorna, it's not anybody. So as far as I can mm -hmm. say, they're spiced up, adult, don't give a fuck about anything. They don't know Chansey. And mm -hmm. she hasn't met Chansey. She's been on the gaze electric, right? Not on the gravity's heart. This yeah. is the first time she's here. They all underestimate her. Oh, she's just some scientist. Whatever, can't do anything. Well, she gets she gets taken out and her neck pressed by Chansey's mm -hmm. boot. Yeah, that was the Chansey first. Chansey was like, a badass. That was the first like what the fuck moment get, from her. Yeah, because so we get already, the backstory with her where she is a military university student. Yeah, yeah but Nan never gets. Yeah, never. No, yeah, right? she doesn't understand that. So yeah. from there, that's her first like what the hell moment and from there it's just like all right no screw you this is retaliation because I'm a petulant child now mm. at home. And I'm gonna do this yeah, just to screw you over. Again, I put you down, but you don't re you don't realize where I got this training from. I'm military trained, so mm -hmm. I have all this operation in hand. So that's why when she's like, "It's cute that you tried that, and you're resourceful, and you got through a bunch of these idiots who weren't looking mm -hmm. for it, but you, you yeah, failed yeah. to again know me." Yeah, and, and now that's, I'm that's gonna. That's why Chancy yeah. actually respects her by the end. Exactly, of the and all of these things. That's why like they're seeing the becomings of her. She's just not refined and polished. And Chancey sees the she'll potential be, in Nan. Exactly. She'll be yeah. terrifying if she survives through all this mm. afterwards. And that's the big thing. That's why I think she still has so much more character to be developed. Yeah. And that with the, and that's why with the whole wreath, like we should, I'm going to see her again. That should have been played out mm. way later. Like oh, yeah. they've seen, yeah. they've seen each other in passing. Now their story is not done. 
Mm. And that's what I'm looking forward to. And I mean, their interaction in this book barely counts as interaction. Uh, yeah, exactly. Hi, it's a Hi, Nan. Hi, Nan. Yeah, I know her. She's a dick. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Nan, I'm yeah. good. How about you? I'm good. Okay, bye. Yeah. She saved my life. I saved hers. Two okay. more things. Um, but like, sorry, I, I just yeah, want to go for uh, it. Just my, my one last reason where it was just like, oh, I wasn't impressed yeah. with this was just the problem. I, I have a lot of the time. I just don't like tell, don't show in general. So mm -hmm. I'm already biased in that sense. And then especially if you do tell, don't show, and then you back that up with a failure, mm -hmm. like tell, like the, the way when it works well is something like death note, right? Where you hear, I mean, obviously cause death note's amazing, but you hear, like Yagami in the first chapter, and they say like, oh, he's top of his class, he's super ridiculously smart, you know, amazing high school student, all this other stuff. And then you see that smartness pay off in the first few episodes until his first encounter with L, right? He's he's just doing it, you know, and he can't stop winning. But then you tell me a bunch of times that Nan is super smart and super resourceful and all this really good stuff, and then her first plan fails. And it's like, oh, well, that was all lies. And then it just makes me think even less. So, I mean, you're right. I mean, there is yeah, potential... Yeah, there is potential. She in the was future. also up against people that she'll get much better. We're a lot is, smarter than she is. She's smart, exactly, and that's it. She yeah. is smart. There's just way smarter people. Yeah, Catriona and, and Chancey were so much smarter than she is. But e even then, I feel like then there should have been one or two moments where it is showing that she can yeah. outsmart the normal Nihil. Take that extra otherwise, time. Otherwise, I mean, going back as, as we do, as we seem to be doing more commonly these days, jumping into other media for examples if you do that kind of thing where you tell me they oh my god i'm the best i'm so amazing and all this kind of stuff and then you fail then you just look like conrad Werner to me it's like yeah you talk a big game but you're real shit mm. so i mean again i'm not gonna i'm not saying at this point that's like oh man shit she's never gonna get better it's she just needs to prove herself it's, now. it's super jarring to me yeah when they say that kind of stuff yeah. and you see her doing all this into which the is stuff. which is why i look at it as the door is wide open for her now yeah mm. and she has everything to prove and we've seen her low so go go for the moon at this yeah, point. Yeah, there's nowhere for her except up. for up. Exactly. Because the, yeah. like, um, Chansey and Catriona don't want to see her fail. They want to use yeah. her and help her, you know, do what she does best, right? And give her the money yeah. and resources for That's that. That's a good resource. Yeah. So think of this. In the end of all this, they supply her with all this, and it turns into, like, a, a nation's kind of thing where it's like, okay, you've enabled her, and now she's surpassed all of you. Now the fear mm. is Nan, not the grass, not thing, because she knows all this. She's gone. She's yeah. disappeared, and you can't find her. That's something that's to scary. fear, because yeah. you and don't she, know where that's going to happen. Yeah, and if she started to drain it, something like that. Like it would also, I feel like at this point, be interesting now if you know Nan does become this information broker and gets all this stuff, and then it turns out that wreath has to go and be like hey can you help me now yeah and he so doesn't know it's her at first maybe that'd be interesting yeah yeah and then then it ends up running into her and being like oh like Good. look you've kind of redeemed yourself can you help now with this yeah nan is the kind of bond going two more things yeah, that would be that would be cool two more things <laughs> we get lorna d mentioned and at the end of this they're like yep yeah, basically lorna d's fucked because we gave the coordinates for where she is mm. and all that stuff and all these paths to the mm -hmm. republic so lorna d is going to be captured soon so there's that and i'm like oh boy that's a big one We'll um, see what happens too, because as far as the Republic knows, Lorna D is in charge of the Nihil. They still don't know about Martian. Right? It's the next yeah. actual book that we're getting, which is called uh, yeah, Tempest Runner Audio Drama on August 31st. Okay. That's the next like novel that we're getting, I guess. So that's mm. going to be all Lorna D stuff, uh, which is cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, she'll, she'll be able to do well as long as Orbelin doesn't show up again. That'd be funny. <laughs> I would love to see a rematch. And then the last thing I want to mention was the Emery Cantero stuff. Throughout the entire book, Vernestra is working with Emery for him to. Yes, he's a, he's a strong yeah. empath, and that finally yeah. gets that support at the end. Which, 
But like, which is ironic. This, Sorry. This power, but, I think, with Emery is going to actually come to fruition somehow. Mm. First thing that came to mind, and I don't think it's going to happen, was like, is he going to be able to calm the emotions of like a Martian row or like somebody that is super important? Like, I thought Emery might have mm. been captured, taken in by the Nihil, and like, since he's a Padawan, cracked under it, and like all that, like he would he would just in the Nihil base the way that Loden was tortured. Emery would have died a lot faster than Loden would well, have. Well, I actually, if that was going to happen, I think what would end up happening is he would become a different version of Darth Nihilus. Yeah, yeah, like Dark Side. Just, yeah. Well, yeah, just radiating this fear and dread that infects everybody. That would, that, and that's the thing. Like Emery is this very interesting character that has so much potential. Now that we know that his power as an empath he, is even stronger than what they thought before. Yeah. And he's having he was having trouble for a bit, like. Him, being not able to himself off, but like pushing that away and like being able to focus what's not around him. Overwhelm him yeah, yeah. yeah. Emery's gonna be the one who will eventually, I believe, anybody that gets afflicted by the leveler, he's gonna be the one to reverse Ooh, that. That'd be cool. That would be interesting. Look See if you maybe look at Bell's trauma right yeah, now. What Bell's out of her. The mm. only one who will be because Bell can't talk. He's catatonic Just, right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we don't one, know at this point, but yeah, maybe right. But the only I can see one of the few people being able to actually communicate and share what Bell's going through is Imran. Mm. Just by being or that room, those emotions. You, you can see him probably just as soon as he steps in, just drop to the ground. But like, oh my god! And then as he gets close, he's like, okay, we can't be in here yet. Mm. And what he's written, this is dangerous. This is scary. Yeah. Like, or whatever but he Imri and the leveler are going to be like that might be a standoff kind of thing mm. where the leveler can't get to Imri and Imri can't get to it so it's just going to be like I'm holding it somebody's got to do something and we, yeah I think he has a lot of potential need, Emery. yeah we would just need one more character arc where it's Imri being able to gain full control yes. right because he's getting close or some measure of it at least. exactly yeah. right he's working but, through what, it what I do really like with this book is it did something that uh I talked about in Rising Storm where it's like it made me actually care about characters I didn't care about at all because mm -hmm. I didn't care about Emery at all. I kind of cared about Vernestra, but by the end of this book, they're both really solid oh, yeah. characters for me. Yeah, but same. I find I also find it hilarious that Emery is now a better em empath than Biriaga, or at least he now has the potential to be. Yeah, because we have never heard any of these kind of abilities from Biriaga. It's just that he is very emotional and he gets really, you know, he's like a mascot almost. He just everyone likes to help him with stuff. Yeah, help him feel better. Biriaga yeah. was just <laughs> thrown in there as a. Wookie Jedi! Yeah, yeah. It's there's so much posturing, he's, unnecessary posturing. Yeah, he, he's the new uh, they're not Exactly, they're not well thought out postures, and they, they begin to immediately crack as soon as you bring up things like. These. Unless we get and more like better. character development eventually with Buriaga, which I'd be down we for. Will. I'm hoping, we will, and so. they're gonna have a real tough time yeah. unless there was just they're gonna call. Oh, there was an empath school. <laughs> and, and throw it away like that. So yeah. I could see that. Some of the things that but, I'm just interested just with uh, Vernestra. That would be weird because Emery had to figure this out on his own. But yeah, sorry, yeah. Vernestra and Emery, that relationship there, like you could tell that Vernestra was inexperienced throughout this whole mm -hmm. book in certain regards of being a master because she was telling Emery, like, that's not okay. We should yeah, not yeah. have that happen. We need to get help because I can't help you. I've tried. It doesn't work. We need to get help. So she was scared of Emery for a bit there because he did something, you know so powerful that she had never thought of before or seen that she was it's like just a, a force power she has no idea right so, so she she seek the help and by the end he gets yeah. it but throughout the training like she told him like you need to repress that and i'm like that's that's inexperienced talking there like yes yeah. yes you need to but at the same time you need to try to come to understand it and work through it because 
that's what's happening with her own force power where she's repressed mm. it and it's not coming up again until it does and she has to embrace it yeah and, right? and that's what i really like about vernestra's vernestra's character arc in this book it starts off kind of the same way that she's been they haven't really gone into it but it's it's the same way that she's kind of been since the beginning where it's i'm a super young jedi i'm everyone thinks i'm a prodigy i need to prove that i am the best and i can do this on my own yeah like I need to prove that She's I was doing worthy it. of becoming a Jedi, a Jedi Knight. But it was it was mostly that like I need to stand on my own two feet. I need to yeah. show that I am worthy of this title. And her character arc in this book with Comac's help is realizing like, oh, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. I need to rely on all of us. We are we are a group of people that we can back. help each other. Yeah, I need to rely on the other Jedi. And that's why I love the the Bond moment with her and Comac at the end, where he's just like, don't listen to the fucking idiots on the council. Yeah. They're just they're just dumb Indicating. and they're blinkered fools. They're gonna be just as mad as me as they are gonna be at you. It's not your fault. And council, I love yeah. that he's I love that he's kind of turning into a better master than Stellan <laughs> in terms of, of uh Vernestra's growth. Yeah. Because I like Comac, but it's just kinda of, it's kind of yeah, like you were saying before, it's not really painting Stellan in the best light. Not yet. One thing with Vernestra, mm. it's odd to me that she wouldn't see this for herself. But again, she's she's dealing with so much at the point where it's just like mm. that should be something that as soon as it comes, it hits you. You're just like, wow, that's stupid. Where she's like 18 Whenever, years old, yeah, or 17. I, no, I'm not even considering age at this point. It's the way she mm. deals with her force and her perception of it. When she's like, okay, she she feels the anger, she feels this, she's, she allows, she's processing it, she understands it, and then she doesn't push it away, she moves past it. She's always just like, that's that's what she does. She's just like, okay, what is this feeling? Why am I feeling it? Let me go through it. Okay, and now I can put it aside. I'm not just, I feel it, oh God, push it aside. That's mm. the bad thing. Mm. She doesn't and, do but that. Then that's yeah. how she, but then when it happens with Imri, that's exactly what she does. Yeah. And it's just like, so, but she's told herself from the start, it's like, okay, I'm starting to realize it's like my path to knighthood isn't going to be the same for Emory. Cool. But then you go and immediately start acting like, oh no, you can't, you shouldn't do that because bad. Well, why is bad? Well, let's go through it and let's discuss it and let's talk through it and let's understand it and then let's move past. That doesn't happen. Just stop. Yeah. Just stop. And that's where her fear comes through, but she's not acknowledging that fear. Yeah. For example, mm -hmm. because it gets masked under, oh, it's my Padawan, it's all this and that. But then that's an overarching of I can't fail, mm. right? So I'd like to see, now that that's a bit under control, I, I'm kind of sad that she couldn't get that from all this because now he's in a better place. But if it spikes again, I want to see if she'll have that maturity now after everything to be like, okay, well, why did it spike? Unless you would spike, where are we? What are the circumstances? Rather than just panicking and saying, stop. Mm -hmm. that was that that was one thing that really struck out to me out of all the things with the characters like that's very strange and why should why are you why she's, did that come up she's also the high school student who got the nickname that she didn't want oh, oh god yeah, every, every time bad. yeah she, uh, really bad Zylan was like and this is jedi knight Vern, and she's like it's actually vernestra <laughs> and he's like yeah jedi knight Vern." Yeah. and then she's like god damn it yeah I, like, I felt so bad every time she was just like it's, it's vernestra yeah it was it was really disrespectful because like but she wasn't even quiet about it at that point. She's just yeah. like, actually, I prefer Vernestra, yeah, if yeah. you would. Whereas... And then it's like, yeah, Vern. And it's like, you're, I can see you staring right at her and saying that. And she's just like, <laughs> you know she's a Jedi, so she won't smack you back. Yeah. But I just wish for once she was just like, no, it's Vernestra. You like, call me by her proper name or I'm walking out. Yeah, I, was... like, I, I would prefer that because that would show Imri. Yeah. It's just like, you know, 
even even though like we're supposed to be peace and we're not going to let people stand up for yourself exactly see in high school i was Mm. the guy who got a nickname because i wore a denim jacket all the time and jeans and so i was called denim dan and i embraced (laughs) that and i shouldn't have but i did and it just stuck so, I have also I don't have, have a nickname. nickname that, I, I also have a nickname that I've embraced so much we use it on this podcast. So you know, no last name. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know that Do was you his prefer nickname. Michael. No, no, Noma's fine. So the backstory for that nickname Michael was Angela. that I went to a very large high school. Hmm. Uh, it was to that well large in or how many Michaels were there? Fifteen hundred. Yeah. yeah. Well, so here's the thing: there were two thousand <laughs> students. So in my year alone, just with people I knew, there were like nine Michaels. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you couldn't even call me like Asian Mike because there were like five of them were Asian. <laughs> so you just nomad. So well, and yeah. So at one point, because literally my friend group would usually be like me, two or three other Mikes. Oh my god! And like other oh people, right? So were they called their other names too. Uh, eventually, it started to catch on. But where the catalyst started was when my friends went, "Look, this is getting ridiculous." You're just Noma now. And I was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. <laughs> Who's then, the alpha, Michael? Yeah. We must yeah. fight. <laughs> yeah. Figure out who. <laughs> we did have, I did have that in another air, uh, area of my life where it was just like number one, number two, and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, ironically, you know, neither of us have an experience with, you know, nicknames we don't like. But I can understand if I hadn't liked that name and they'd kept using it, how annoying that would have been. I mean, they called mm. me Double D for short, and that was like, okay. Jesus, okay. No, okay. No, 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 I mean, no, 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 I'm, no. I'm flat as a washboard, guys. Come on. <laughs> But yeah. you could bring Ed, Ed, and Eddie into that, but it's just oh boy, weird. yeah, yeah. Uh, last oh, point boy. I had was Yaddle was put into this, and it was mm-hmm. I think Vern and Yaddle or somebody in Yaddle were talking yeah, about it. Was Vern. And it was cute. Nashville. I loved it, and I was like, yeah, Yaddle's here. <laughs> Everyone forgets about Yaddle, but Yaddle's here. That's nice. Yeah, you're gonna die in between episode one and two, <laughs> or something of that nature. Yeah. <laughs> no, she does. Oh, she, she does. does okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's basically everything I can think of that I had opinions on. I mm-hmm. thought it was okay. It was a good book. Yeah. There were some good things in it, but it took a long time to get there. Yeah, this book's in a weird place for me because if I look at it as just like like as a novel, it's okay. It's a nice catch up for information wise, but kind of like you guys were saying before, I don't really plan on reading this again. In terms of romance wise, because this is a young adult's book, I liked Lost Stars better. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Less less ham fisted. It, it just it just felt like a much more up until the part that I hate at the very end where they have to splice it into the sequels. Yeah. But up until that point, it felt like a natural, you know, romance that was tragic because they couldn't get back together. This one was more of just like a, a rough breakup that then the two people are trying to, to reconnect, which isn't necessarily Not a bad, bad story. Thing. Yeah. It's just the stakes feel a little bit lower to me, mm-hmm. especially when you learn that they were together for a month and then they've been apart for six. It's just like, okay, so this was like a, a summer romance thing that, you guys just want to head back together. But then it also makes me think like, is this going to last? I mean, who knows, right? Well, it depends how they, when they come back again, but you know, sometimes spur of the moment romance like that don't end up going well. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall I went into this book thinking like it was going to be like a, a shorter rising storm. Yeah. It's not, it's kind of like a, a slightly more flat into the dark. Slightly more flat lost stars to be fair. And like, if you combined like i don't know like well lost stars also has a difference in it because we already know all the events that are going to happen in it that is true we have no idea with this one yeah yeah but like into the dark it's like it is that it's this good dark thriller mystery where it's like we don't know what's happening there are mysteries to be solved then we find out and it goes oh shit now it's a race against the clock get back get all the stuff under control you know it's good it's 
gives you that creeping sense of unease throughout most of it, especially with, you know, the questions about Dez and all this kind of stuff. This one, not and, so much. Yeah, this one is like... It, it reminds me of the, a comic series we just covered. Like, there's stuff mm -hmm. in it, but it's a long slog and it's okay. You know what I mean? It yeah, reminds me of like, I, like both of the comic series we just read. They they try to prop up that same those same questions that we have in Into the Dark with something that I, I skipped in, in the synopsis because it doesn't matter, is the attempted assassination on Silvestri and, oh my god, what is Alan Graff lying about? But both of those on their own are so much weaker yeah. than this strange station with these concerning plants and this disintegration vault that turns out not to be a disintegration vault. It's just like, it's a there's a lot less mis like mystery that really kind of digs its claws into you i feel mm -hmm. and so because of that for the first seven hours it's really just waiting for something to happen i felt and it's also i mean swapping back something i talked about before pariah pariah's in between that for me with that warhammer thing because it's like it's a lot of it's that same a lot of mystery and a lot of intrigue and what's happening but it dragged on for so long i was like dear god have something happen please and i felt the same way in this book where it was like, they had the assassination attempt on Wolk. And I didn't feel any sense of danger or urgency. Because it just was like, well, none of the characters are going to die. And Wolk already got shot. So we're done now, right? Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. keep going. And then, yeah, I mean, other things I, I wasn't a big fan of. I, I talked about this a little bit before we started. I really like that Comax here. He does a lot of really good stuff in this book. And it really makes his character even better from Into the Dark. I don't understand why Wreath is here. Because Comax, he, it would have to be like they have to be together. Yeah, he's the he's the accessory to Comac, but he basically doesn't do anything outside of the new lore that we get, where him and Vernestra were partners, or sorry, younglings, and grew up together. And Padawans, but didn't bang unlike uh, Elzar and Avar. It's just like he's just there. He his information is useful twice, and that's it. You know, in Into the Dark, he was great because it's like all of that bookworm studying has paid off. And we get to see him processing this information not as fast as he could have been. Yeah, but really kind of getting getting all these points together to realize things. And in this one, it just doesn't happen at all. Agreed. His only useful points is he brings up something about a planet that I don't remember. And then he knows how to hotwire an access panel. And that's it. And then in my case as well, I feel like his character is actually hurt in this because I got really annoyed when they explained that he has a crush on Vernestra. Or it's like, why is it in the High Republic, the heyday of the Jedi as they're trying to sell it, why is every Jedi so goddamn horny? I don't like as much as I was rooting for it in Rising Storm because it was just Elzar, mm. it's starting to get ridiculous now because now we also get Wreath has a crush on Vernestra, Imri has a crush on Avar Chris. It's just like every other Jedi in this goddamn series is just actively not caring that they're breaking, you know, their vows. Vernestra is the only person who can keep it in her pants. I mean, I'm excited to see Yoda just... get a, get it on with Yaddle. That's uh, I mean, at this point, we're gonna get here, guys. Would, right? God, that would make the fact that he's traveling with younglings so much creepier. Could you imagine? But... Could you imagine like Yoda Yaddle, and it's like the theory was right all along. Yeah, that is Grogu with the fusion. Yeah. Genitals combined, I create growth. <laughs> oh but it's just like, yeah, why, yeah. why? Like in Swotor, there were less horny Jedi. In Revan's era, there were less horny Jedi. In the prequels, there are less, right? It's, it's interesting, just, it, yeah. I, I'm not sure why they're going that way, but... It, it's blowing my mind. Yeah. Here we are. And I mean, I mean, maybe that'll come to, uh, to end up being a thing where it's like all of this wanton lust Passion, and attachment yeah. is what drives them to become these unfeeling 
kind of idiots in. in in the prequel era who knows right we still need to learn why all the temples fell and all this other stuff maybe that'll be because i'm assuming at this point that's because of the leveler because mm-hmm. something else that we also get is that uh, Martian rose on another sojourn by the end of this book yeah so that to me says that he's getting more dark side artifacts so it seems like with mari santeca gone he's gonna really start leaning into the dark side cultist vibe and i'm sure he's gonna go even more insane from there we're gonna find the but, sith that way maybe that's how they come in could be maybe, right? I mean, maybe that'll tie into the acolyte and all this other stuff like who are you oh i'm darth plagueish it's like oh fuck no, I think about it. It'd be kind of funny. I don't think it will because it's supposed to be the end of the High Republic. But if Martian was actually the acolyte, that would be like interesting. I, said, I, I don't think it's going to happen because they say yeah. it's in, in the waning days of the High Republic. So it, it's probably going to be uh, whoever uh, Tenebris or Tenebris's master or Plagueis or whatever. Well, Tenebris was Plagueis. I'm, I'm assuming it's either going to be Tenebris getting Plagueis or whoever was training Tenebris picking up Tenebris. Yeah. It'd be interesting so. because, like, if he's picking up all these Sith artifacts, like. The Sith are going to be coming into this somehow. Like, I don't think the Nihil are going to survive past midway through the High Republic. The way that they're getting, like, destroyed so far. Like, there's not it's... much. Like, Martian's killing it from the inside because he's going fucking nuts. Mm. And, like, Lorda D is having issues as well. I mean, Penny well, is on his own. We yeah, have some I of the mean, other Tempest Runners that have been replaced twice. Every time. Like, I'm, there's I'm... a lot of. like the the main thing that i just don't really like and i'm gonna harp on this because i harp on it all the time for the sequel trilogy i don't understand how strong the nihil are still like they say in this book that oh we're we're hitting the nihil at every corner but it doesn't seem to matter because they still have all these numbers and then you know martian's able to to rebuild now panada's tempest again but it's like how how many people are you and how much destruction are you wreaking across like tk was a good example of how much uh, destruction they're wreaking yeah sure yeah, the yeah. but outside of volo and tk we kind of don't hear too much about them or the drain gear like it's it's I a think... very nebulous that the drain gear at least had the thing where they exploded across the frontier right? yeah. well martian the told them time. like we're not doing anything for a bit we're taking a low key yeah but it's, it's just like their numbers are so nebulous right where it's like sure. i don't understand how like how many in the nihil's case at least because of the the great disaster and the republic fair yeah i understand that they're a threat but it's very nebulous like they're, they're just kind of like that generic bad guy faction where it's like we have like a simultaneously <laughs> we simultaneously have staffing problems and we are uh, like we are in an innumerable lesion and it's just like i i would like a little bit as we kind of slide into wave two it's not something where i'm like oh this is garbage because at least they're trying, unlike the First Order. But it's something when we slide into Wave 2, I would like to kind of hear what the Nihil's numbers are like and how far they're spread and how wide the operations really are now. Yeah, because we have some sleeper agents Tempest- too, it seems like. Yeah, right, and we don't know anything about that yet. So hopefully in Tempest Runner, we get some more info on that. It's just like one of those one of those few things I need to just really understand the Nihil as a threat, right? Because you can say the Empire is innumerable and it's across... All these le- all these worlds and blah 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 and then you explain what then then i go i need to know why oh imperial recruitment well that makes sense imperial law enforcement propaganda cool that all makes sense kind of thing right so we've got the nihil propaganda and we've got the nihil why they're scary i just need to know a little bit more minutiae about you know their operations but that's not something i'm really holding against this book that's just the nihil in general it's that one little missing piece i need and then for the drain gear as well it's like I understand why you're a threat. I definitely understand why you're a threat. I just kind of want to know how many there are and how well that campaign to destroy them has been. But I assume we're going to get that in High Republic Volume 2. So, you know, they're setting it up at least. But 
Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other points. I can't really think of anything right now. Uh, so, Ed, how about you? Any other things, thoughts that you've got about? I'm going to start off with an Easter egg and just a bit of general stuff. It's This is a good book where we see the positives and detrimental things that can happen from trying to connect so many books. Mm. Something that's just more information the reason why Sill is having such a rough time in the beginning is an effect of what happened because of the crew in Into the Dark destroying the Bind Guild. Because Sill was a part of that with her mom. And because oh, of everything that? that happened okay. with that, yeah, yeah, now she's roughing it and then the attacks happen and that's why her hyperdrive needs maintenance and all mm. that stuff. All, all these that. people money. Yeah. Right? Like that is a correlation from there. Reef is another interesting, like hearing everything that you guys are saying, I was just like, I didn't see that. I didn't mm. take it in that respect. It was annoying. Mm. I, I will give you that. But it was also the thing with the High Republic. And I think something that they're trying to, a political point, not political point, but a point in the fandom they're trying to address was that because oh, that's this book is just a lot of that. And they're trying to address the fact that like, at least from my perspective, every time we've seen learners or people in these books, stories, games, whatever they are, they're already established in some point, mm -hmm. but that learning period out the window, or it might be an obscure comics or legends books that have dealt with that, but not very many. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, we talk about all this stuff right now, but nobody's mentioning the fact that Obi-Wan also wanted to do the hell out of Satine and potentially mm -hmm. leave the Order. Like, that is... He was able to hold that back and be the Jedi that he, he knew he had yes, to be. As yes, far as we know so far. <laughs> as far as we know, but he also had, theory, right? he had to yeah. deal with those. But it's mm. not it's not described in detail like this because you would have a whole another okay. yeah. schism yeah, happening. You'd have, you'd have people just as annoyed as I am right now. Exactly, right? Where it's just like, oh no, Obi-Wan's perfect. Yeah, how could you? It's mm -hmm. like, because he's human. And while that line itself doesn't, it can't be portrayed in this universe because there's so many different aliens and so many different species and what have you, mm -hmm. they are trying to get these emotions as close to what we naturally go through to be like, they're not that different from us. They just have these strange mystic powers they can connect to this thing but everything else they have to deal with is normal and to to really show that off i think they're trying to punch us in the face with it at this point because of how different they've seen throughout all the other medias under lucas where it mm. was just like oh how do you do with relations oh it's whatever this guy has a thing and they look look yeah. at all the problems it creates but the rest of them the rest of them all oh they're fine you might as well just castrate them because they're not doing anything but that goes that makes them seem like this whole and I can understand in those eras why people see view the Jedi as this crazy sort of oh man, they're so strange or whatever. But mm. when you look at Elzar and the lady, they were just talking to each other like regular people, being like, Oh, you wanna do this, you wanna do this? It was like, Yeah, I know you're a Jedi, but you wanna do this, you you're mm. clearly a guy. And it's doing that image for you. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's a guy with a weapon and he has these powers, but he still thinks like a guy. You can still influence him, you can still talk mm. to him. Which, when you have the Jedi generals and the clone troopers, and they start talking just like people, that's a little bit of that feeling. The humanity. 
Exactly. Mm. It takes away from being this crazy space wizard. Yeah, you're not this, like, you're not your job. Exactly. That's something the Sith were saying from the start. And people were saying, like, oh, yeah, the Sith. And how how many of us are just like, yeah, I want to follow my passion. It was like, no, you just want to be a person. Mm. And the Jedi doesn't make you feel like you're being a person. Make you feel like you're this, you know, you got to be the Pope. Yeah, you're an automaton. Yeah, Yeah, right? And that's and, and this series is, I guess, trying to show people that that's not the case. At and least not in this be, era, yeah. You can be a good person and still have all these fallacies. Just you have these bonus things that are an extra responsibility more so than you're special. Mm. And that's that's how I'm trying to see it. So when I see Reef going through all these, I'm not getting so much angry at, at him as just like it... It makes me a little sad for him because, like, Nan shows he's sir Vernestra throughout the youngling stuff and the Padawan stuff. And it's just like, Mm. but she's so again, she's just asexual and she basically says it. And there's nothing Mm. wrong with that. And honestly, that is what the Jedi want, Mm. but it's not something that you can just force them to be because that cuts them off from who they are. Yeah. So when you see somebody like Reith going through that, it's like, okay, and she won't understand. Oh, man. Well, you know, she's not she's not showing me the same interest that I'm showing her, maybe. Mm-hmm. So when you get someone like Man, who's basically worshipping him from the start, being like, oh, my God, you're a Jedi. You can yeah, yeah. do this, you do this. And he's just like, whoa, somebody's showing interest in me. And okay, and she's cute. And look at her hair. And she's got these cute blue highlights and all that. And, it's like, and that starts to build and build until he's just like, yeah, I'm spending almost all my time here with her. And then when the betrayal happens, he's just like, <clears throat> and he's dealing yeah. with it. And Imri feels that. He's just like, yeah. what the hell was that? When he's yeah, just thinking yeah. about it, right? And he's just like, oh, okay, okay, no, right. Be Jedi, think. Can't mm. do that. Can't. Oh, but Vernestra. And she smiles. And her. T- and it makes her eyes look like, okay, Imri's feeling that too. Oh, yeah, man, yeah. this is a stark stop. <laughs> yeah, stop. What's wrong with me? And it yeah. just sucks because it's just like, those are normal. You're a dude, and she's a cute girl, and, and you and have teenagers. that. Yeah, yeah. And so, what? Like, okay, come on. When we were in school, and if regardless <laughs> of whatever, you're like, oh, can yeah, I have yeah. a hug? Yeah, you can have a. I, I know what I'm. <laughs> right? Like yeah, these yeah. are. It's normal, and I think that's the biggest thing they're trying to show. Like, yes, it's odd they to have us emotion, now, and they can't just put it away. Yes, it's odd to us now because of what we grew up watching. I yeah. feel like any any young person looking at this now is like, yeah, you can relate so much. Easier. In high school, I would have related to that. Oh, yeah, right? 100%. And, and that's who this so is marketed is, towards, right? Well, and that is a great point. I never really thought about that. But yeah, like we don't really ever get to see teenagers in the prequels or, you know, Sword War and, and other un- stuff. Understandably, I don't want to take anything away from those either because mm-hmm. they're dealing with much bigger and other yeah. issues. This yeah. is day-to-day life and work and here we need you to do this yes there's raging things going on on mm. the frontier and all that but when you come to course on everything's business as usual yeah and you're training and you're learning and you're doing all these things these things happen and how do you deal with it and how do you move forward in a positive kind of way and mm. what can you learn from the negative ones is what i'm starting to see from this yeah um, and, and honestly you make great points and i think part of the reason i felt so strongly about that annoyance is also just because of the fact that like we talked about this before, but Wreath was my version of Bell for you mm. guys, right? Where it was like, oh, this guy's so cool. I love his stuff. I can't wait for his character development. And then we get this book, and it's kind of like a 
it makes sense why now, but it's kind of like a downwards lateral character growth. Yeah, there's nothing that nothing really happens with Reed. Yeah, he doesn't really grow no. in any ways, and he just kind of fails a little bit as a Jedi, which, you know, again, taking yeah. it into full consideration, it does make sense why he's feeling these kinds of things. And at the very least, I can say, at least he didn't pull an Elzar and be like, well, we're Padawans, who fucking cares? I'm going to that's And that's just it, though, because from what I see from here, we got really strong points. Like Nan in Into the Shadow, and now we're starting to see like the real development and foundation set. Mm. I would love for Reed to talk with Elzar. Oh, yeah. And yeah. have like an actual conversation. Like maybe Elzar wouldn't, why would he tell him everything? Like the, you wouldn't. But just mm. like if he met him in passing and he's just like, man, I just need somebody to talk to you who's older mm. because I can't handle this kind of stuff. Yeah. And by speaking to especially him, he'd be like, oh, yeah oh god okay hey and especially because he's in this sort of like i have to repent or whatever thing Mm -hmm. and here's somebody right in front of you who's asking you for help because they feel like they're going down the same path you are you are the perfect person to talk right and that's counseling and that's other things because they have jedi counselors apparently yeah Yeah. so like these are it would be the same kind of yeah it would be the same kind of lateral well not lateral it would be the same kind of relationship that we see with renestra and comac in this book exactly i get it so he he needs somebody like that, yeah, yeah, right. And then uh, who was it? Who was it? Who was it? Imri, I said I had to say that he's he's he's, he's special in his own regard. And yeah, I think yeah. he'll have a big part to play. It was Reef. Crap, I I, I lost That's that. Okay. No worries. Let me come back to you. Let us know. Yeah. No, it was it was something to do along that because I wasn't finished on. But that's okay. Oh, okay, gotcha. After after Reef. Who's another character Des? I really want to go into? Because it's still okay. out of it's still out of the shadow stuff. Oh, okay. But um, with Stellan and his talks with Vernestra and everything, with him, it's interesting with the way to describe him as being very traditionalist, loving lightsaber styles and mm-hmm. teaching and theory and all that. I think that he tried to form because he's the poster boy, right? Mm-hmm. He tried to form Vernestra as him. Vernestra's had the nice insight to be like, I realize Emery is not me. Mm. I don't know how far Stellan got in that with Vernestra because she's so prodigy that yeah. I can just teach you the, the structural standard things and you will be perfect Jedi. Mm. And she was doing the things. So to him, I did it. I did it. And you're a master. So to, unless the conditions have changed in order to become one, you have to successfully prove that you can raise a Padawan to a knight and then you know you you are a master you've done the thing mm-hmm. um with him and seeing all this now the cracks in the traditionalist are starting to are really starting to show and it's having an effect on his character which mm-hmm. is why maybe this unkind light that's on him right now is a comeuppance of years of just trying to adhere to strict and this and this and this while while you know letting go of it sometimes for your friends and stuff mm-hmm. like that but realizing like no it's it's something that is antiquated and it's antiquated yeah, for yeah. a reason because we've just grown as people and you need, these are things you need to let go. And for, it's a silly thing to have an attachment towards, but I think that's where his flaw is, where his attachment that he doesn't realize is to the staunch traditionalism, mm-hmm. which is why with Vernestra being so worried, that shouldn't be a thing to worry about. Why would you be worried with something silly as a lightsaber design? But because mm. it's so ingrained and so entrenched, it's just like, 
you're really taking a second thought from this. I think you should get opinions and you should get something. Somebody be like, I understand how the traditional one works. Let's discuss the the pros and cons of this one you have now. Not that outright I'm going to say it's stupid and you need to stop it. Mm. No, because there are benefits to it and there are drawbacks. It's a weapon. Every weapon has that. Yeah. Right. So you discuss it for what it is. And if she can use both, that brings up a whole new thing that you could potentially introduce into the order for generations to come. But because of this, and she keeps it to herself for how long and however detrimental that might be, yeah, it it's, could be a terrible thing that came out of nothing other than stupid traditionalism. Mm -hmm. So that Stellan, I hope that he's being beat down so much right now to show his huge change. And I think that started when Alzar came to him and told him everything and he didn't go crazy and didn't snap off and yeah, yeah. do everything. Cause I think Avar's at a point where she's much more further, she's much further than that, but she's got mm -hmm. other things to deal with. So she's not the one to deal with this stuff and talk to and everything. She's got so much to deal with on her plate. She's showing the whole, you know what? Sometimes we got to work with our enemies or the people we don't like. Sometimes we have to do this to reach the common goal. And then maybe from there we can both grow and find something. With the huts, obviously that won't happen because they've shown time and time again they don't give a fuck about anybody yeah, else. Yeah. But at least she's giving the effort to maybe help them and help themselves as well. But for Stellan, it's we're see, we're seeing it so much now, and she's describing him, and he's lost weight, and it doesn't look like he's sleeping. He's hmm. doing all these clandestine things, and the politics is getting to him, where you know he's meeting with these senators. And it's like when was the last time you just sat and taught somebody? Mm -hmm. you know, without any influence from council or anything like that. Something that you, in Rising Storm, you actively said you enjoyed doing. Yeah. Where's that gone to? You're a terrible pilot. You share this story with your Padawan? No, because you're molding her to be the perfect Jedi. Why should she know about your failings? Mm -hmm. Right? All these little things that have added up so much to stunt for Nestra in some ways is finally being, that's finally being scraped away by other people for her. Mm -hmm. But nobody's doing that for Stellan, but his experiences now. Which kind of suck, and that's yeah. why the abrasiveness with him and Avar is just like she is the one trying to honestly help you. But mm -hmm. both of you are so caught up in what you need to do and the importance of it that that's getting in the way. Yeah, and Elzar, yeah. Elzar needs to figure himself out, so he can't yeah. be here as the middle guy this time to try and bridge this path. Mm -hmm. It's too much for all three of them at this point. So I I really hope they each have some time to figure out themselves again and figure out this new age they're coming into and what they need to deal with because they're all tired. They're all, they, they all have this, well, Elzar has the survivor's guilt and the guilt of what he did. Mm. Stellan has the just, you know, why isn't my way working? And yeah. Avar's, why are people pushed on both that? sides? Yeah. yeah. Avar, why the hell aren't people listening to how important, mm. about the important things I'm trying to show? Like, yeah, yeah. what is wrong with you? And none of them are doing that like full scope because they can't right now. Mm -hmm. Moving forward with Jordana, she has been fighting for what a year or however long, maybe not even a, a few year, months, six months. No, she she says it's been a hell of a year. Yeah, which is interesting to me because when when no no she, so so it wasn't the whole year because it's been six months since she broke up with Sylvester. Yeah, and so and it, after that, she becomes the deputy. Because she was doing oh, stuff to true, become true. the dep or be to do something, yeah, and then she, she became the deputy. That'll be and then all this shit has to yeah. take over. Yeah. yeah, so it was a little Which, crazy. And where I understand in that moment when they're on the ship, and Vernestra's horrified. Before that, Master Opran's horrified and gives her the big lecture. Mm. 
because what they come from you're taught to value life not yes the whole the way they say it is not the best but the appreciation of just what life is is what they should be portraying more than just saying the blatant line life is precious because mm. to anybody else just like well then their life isn't they're just taking it from everybody else but the overflowing arc of life in itself is what i think they they can't explain because it's just too convoluted but that's their interpretation but for somebody like jordana you you are there by yourself with one other dude all these attacks are happening. These people are scared out of their minds and none of them are picking up a blaster to help you. Mm -hmm. You do whatever you can. And with the amount of carnage that you see, and it's like killing off a bit of your soul is a bit dramatic, but you have to shut some things down in order mm -hmm. to be effective. And it's just like, okay. To, yeah, it's, it's like turning yourself off, basically. Like just not being there. Pretty well. much. Just like, what are you going to do? Move forward, kill, move forward, kill, protect. No one die here behind mm -hmm. me everybody's safe right yeah. so with that it's just like what's the best way to do that mass annihilation yeah that way i know they're gone they will not harm anybody and they will not harm anybody in the future yeah. so and, what am i going to do i'm going to cut them to bits you do the same thing you just hold yourself back i can't hold myself back because if i hold myself back i'll die yeah people i can't and, do that and it's that and mindset then, too of like the people behind me die right like that's yeah. why I, I it made sense to me when she started chasing down the nile because yeah. to her it's when is the fight over? When everyone's dead. It's dead, exactly. When we're out of Nigh Hill, we're not in danger anymore. And so, of course, she's going to try and massacre them all. And this is where I appreciate... There are some things Ireland wrote that pissed me off and some things I really appreciated. Mm. And this is one thing I appreciate where, like, she, she goes out of her way when she's talking to them on the ship and on Coruscant and with, um, with Sil. Even the narrator gets it across where... She's kind of bubbly and kind of aloof and kind of there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, her whole speech pattern is different. As soon as this comes through and she's there and she takes it and she starts working with it, she gets mechanical. Mm -hmm. And she's just cold. And there's she's not looking. She's not doing anything. She's like, yep, can you get the door for me? What? Yeah, just that. Can you get that for me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, push that out of the way. Okay, thanks. What? Ooh. Time to go to work. And, yeah. and she was like, Jordana? She's like, yep do the thing and she's yeah. like her eyes were far away she wasn't even there she was just mm -hmm. seeing red at that point i was like it's a soldier thing and you need that because mm -hmm. that's you've conditioned yourself at that point so when everybody was getting pissed off at her i was like how dare you you have no idea <laughs> yeah. what she's been through exactly. nobody can know and she doesn't want to talk about it for well, damn good reason yeah. which i was so proud of sale at the end when she was just like i don't give i don't care i love you mm -hmm. you love me we'll work through anything whatever that doesn't matter. And eventually, if she does tell us, she'll be like, yeah, I can understand. It's not a hard thing to understand, mm -hmm. except for Jedi. Understandably so, because mm -hmm. they are trained to deal with that kind of stuff and how to de-escalate. And when you can't, you do the quickest thing. It's the Maul versus Obi-Wan fight at the end. Yeah. Finish yeah, it. Rebels. Yeah. Finish it. You don't need to enjoy it. You don't need to prolong it. Just done. And your conflict is done. They don't have that luxury. They don't have any of that. So they have to finish it any way they can. Uh, in terms of regular people, so I understand that. Moving on from Jordana, the the graphs. Jesus, <laughs> it's it's something where like I didn't know about this adventures in wild space stuff, so I'm curious mm -hmm. to see because I just assumed by the time the end of the book, I was like, oh cool, it's the same thing that it's going to be in the real world. If you're rich, it doesn't get away with anything. Yeah, no. it doesn't matter. It just money solves the problems, right? But if the, the adventures in wild space is true and it ends up being that they do lose everything i mean we'd never hear about the santecas yeah yeah modern 
uh, timelines, right? So theoretically, them and the graphs both die out. The only sentai we get is point. episode seven with uh, the guy in that. Oh, is that what they were doing? The, yeah, the callback yeah, the force, to the force yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very yeah. beginning of Force Awakens. Okay. Yeah, Mac Vensido, he played a pretty good character, but it was like He's... super short. He had the path to Luke. That's all. Yeah, so, yeah. There is comics that go into it in the Port Amaran comics, and it's actually not yeah. bad because there's some extra cool force stuff that's in there that he that uh, the Santeca guy goes through and does. So hmm. it, it's, so it's it's not bad, crazy. but it's completely within reason to see like the Santecas might be force sensitive in a way. Some of them. Yeah, that's fair. And it's there's some pretty they're pretty interesting characters in that comic as well. Some Imperials mm-hmm. that are just like it's in that imperial turning into first order kind of thing but they're yeah, like, yeah. so it's interesting to see their reasons for coming back okay. um yeah like the, the only other sorry senator staros oh yeah i knew i was surprised you didn't come out like firing right away with that's another fucking staros and I, oh, da, 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 da. I just didn't care honestly it was just like yeah, like, uh, I don't like the Santa Staros, but it's just like, oh, look, a politician who doesn't like this person. And it was, I, I didn't really care about any of the people who were involved in politics. Not honestly. really, though. Like, I don't think they're going to be much. They might come back well, a little like, bit, but. Xylan was almost interesting, but he's, he's too one dimensional. Like, I, I really like characters who are like kind of the sleazy rich guy who like, what's he doing? Is he a good guy? Is he not like uh, Tobias Maxilla and, yeah. and Eisenhorn, right? Like where it's, oh, is he a good guy? Is he not? Oh, it turns out he's a good guy. And same thing with Xylan where it's like, oh, like what's his scheme? What's his angle? What's he trying to get to? But it, his entire character is just like, I'm a rich found boring guy and I'm kind of sleazy. So, yeah, so is, I, after the betrayal, I was like, cool, you're one dimensional. I don't, I don't really care anymore. So af- yeah, after this, I was glad to finish it early because it gave me some time to go over each character individually mm-hmm. and really think through what they did. Trying to wrap up really quickly because I can't, I can't get to all of them. <laughs> yeah, but so it's, um, it's this book. The inf- when I said information, mm-hmm. not it was information on the galaxy itself. Yes, but inf- it it really showed us what like if it didn't before, it did now. What this era is trying to show. Mm. and I love it or hate it the only thing I ask for is don't be heavy handed you need to really pace is the wrong word but really edit yourselves in the yeah. sense of okay who are you writing this for you need to answer that question first and it can't be something as simple as young adults mm. you can't because 9 times out of 10 what you think you're doing you're being harmful and you're you're creating situations you do not need to create. Yeah, you can acknowledge everything, absolutely. Mm. Again, you need to take that pie chart. You do do a uh, not a census. Do a do a survey if you want to. There's a bunch of online places that will if you need to. Oh yeah, just, just to get like a just a, get a crowdsource kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And they don't. They what do they know? Why? It's just a it's a general crowd thing, right? And then once you start seeing that and you start tailoring your stories and then you notice your reception start to get a bit different and yeah. more people are receptive to it because you're not, you don't end up writing for a specific group or a specific purpose or topic. You're hitting everything and yeah. it's important to hit everything. So like you want to include everybody, but utopias are impossible. <laughs> so yeah, you, you, do, don't, you don't want to leave anybody out, but you also. And exactly. You, you don't want to show importance over one thing. So your story is important. 
-hmm. how you fill that story you can you can sprinkle a bit of everything in there so it touches all points as long as the story makes sense if you start to get to those points where it this, this is just unnecessary for the story it doesn't make any sense leave it out i guarantee it won't hurt mm -hmm. But there you can always add, add addendums in later, right? If you want, and that could just be a character trait or whatever. That oh, that's interesting to know later, and mm -hmm. it didn't take away from me losing anything from the story because I was distracted by this nonsense thing. Yeah, which no, and, and I think that's right. a great point, right? No, no worries, but yeah, I think that's a great point. Just getting that consensus to see what people think of it so far, right? Because not everybody's got a podcast, right? So being able to just get that opinion and kind of use that to use a stepping stone to learn i think that would be really cool but who knows you know they've got their plans and hopefully they're they're thinking along the same lines as us hmm. yeah i think that kind of sorry uh do you have any other points because i, I kind of cut you off there no it's a, uh, that was my final wrap-up oh. like if we ever see anything else that ties into this i can get into my thoughts about other characters mm -hmm. later but i got the main ones out that's pretty much okay. what i got so Awesome. So with all of our thoughts now in your ears, uh, although, you know, like we said, we will probably go on longer. And if you're interested in that, let us know. But I think this kind of wraps up our discussion nicely. So from here, let's head into our rankings. Welcome to the Canon Materials Rankings for High Republic Out of the Shadows. So for our rankings, I honestly, I'm just going to start off because again, yeah. going from, uh, you know, lowest to highest, I gave this one a 5.5 and my reasons for it are, you know, kind of biased. Like I pointed out before where it's just, I was really looking forward to getting more wreath stuff. And unlike with Vern and Bell, unfortunately we did not get a really good kind of next step up for the character in terms of Vanestra, We definitely did. And I wasn't expecting that, which was nice. But just the amount of time it takes to get into the action, plus that kind of disappointment from one of my favorite characters, that just kind of coupled it together into being like, you know, like I said, I still recommend reading this book. You get a lot of information and stuff like that, but I'm probably not going to go back and read this again. And I'm a little bit disappointed with the direction of Wreath. So, you know, that's why I'm giving it the 5.5. 5. Uh, Dan, how about you? Uh, I gave it a 6.5. I think this is the lowest... No, second lowest. Crash Point Tower was 4.5. <laughs> um, this is the second lowest that I've given the High Republic uh, novel. This, like I said, everything that we talked about, you actually, you guys have brought up my perspective on this book a bit. I was going to give it a 6, but I think a 6.5 is about right. We're like, it's not as good as, say, like Light of the Jedi or a Test of Courage. I like Test of Courage a little bit more, I think. Okay. Um, it's just kind of in that weird middle ground, like you said. Like it's, it's got information, but... That's slow burn. Three quarters of the way through that book, man. Mm -hmm. Like that is rough. There needs to be something yeah. to catch your interest. And it, it was rough getting through that first bit. Like I listened to it through the whole week on 1.4 times speed because I was like, I need to get through this. Because yeah. if I don't listen, like I can't, I can't, you know, keep my oh, mind yeah, engaged yeah. with something that is such a slow burn, right? Like you're introduced mm -hmm. to a lot of characters, not a lot is going on. Some things happen mm -hmm. here and there. It's just, yeah. Anyway. That's and, my opinion. And no, and that's a good point because I listened to it at 1.5 the entire time and I was able to keep track of it and understand the whole thing. So I can't imagine how much, you know, how much weirder it would have been if I'd listened to it at one point speed and it would have been that much slower. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I feel like I would have lost even more uh, interest yeah. with the book. But uh, yeah, Ed, how about you? So funny enough, I did listen to it at regular speed. Oh, um... <laughs> Yeah, I really am against speeding up everything. I, that's that's why sometimes I'll give myself the time. Sometimes I just won't have the time. 
but uh, I really like listening to the natural speed just to pick up on any inflection that might come up in any sort of words or any sort of sentence or whatever the narrator is trying to get across. Okay. That's just a preference thing. I have nothing against yeah. speeding up or anything like I that. I normally do too. It was just because um, we had such a little bit of time to do this book to listen mm-hmm. to it that I was like, I need to listen to it faster. I didn't have enough yeah, free time I'm for that, sadly. That. Um, I get you. I get you. <laughs> Understandable, right? Um, oh, no. It's just like, I, I don't know why, but for me, I haven't listened to any of the High Republic books on one point speed so far. <laughs> I think I think it's because I'm either inherently really trying to give them a chance. Mm. Uh, so that's that might be part of it. But I gave it a 6.5 as well. And... Okay. Again, I didn't get so much of the slow thing because I, I went in willing to absorb information, but nobody had told me that. And my expect my expectations were high, don't get me wrong, and they were kind of brought down a bit, but I was constantly wanting to see what's next. And I think if you keep that mentality in mind as you go through it, it gets a little easier. Because there are, while we're heavy critics of it, the little things that do come up like, Oh, you were almost assassinated? Oh, well, you come with me. Well, okay. It's always, Syl will drive this book for you as long as you hold on to her. Mm-hmm. And think from her perspective, as a, you've, you're in grief, you've lost your mom, you're trying to do this venture, this venture has failed, you're trying to support these guys on this moon who are there and they're waiting on you. So you need to figure this out. So you know what? Okay, let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. Let's see what you got. I need to move forward. I have these things. I need to know. So from there, it's just like, it's like, Syl, buddy up, let's go. Kind of thing. That's how I took it mm. until it started to get really insane. Where by that point, I was already like, okay, what's next? Let's see. Oh, now I'm excited. What next? Mm. So from there, again, it was it, but it kept me on that line where I was never getting too low or never getting too high. Okay. So it, it was pure information. It was a nice way of delivering the information. It felt like I was reading a handbook at one point. That was the same level of interest where it's like, this is cool. <laughs> this is good to know. This is cool. This is good to know. It wasn't like, oh my god, this is exciting. But never, oh my god, he's pushing, a, he's pushing a whole thing with the thunder. That didn't happen. I didn't expect that to happen after a while. All I wanted in the end was I need to know so I can prepare for the next. And that's where it won't get a great like seven or eight, mm. but it, won't, it definitely won't get a five or four because it's okay. it's still a decent one. And that's where my, like that's where you can get a difference. Like two people give it the same score, but for a different reason. Yeah, and that's that's where my different reason comes into here. Yeah, and and like I said, like I'm mine's the five, and a big part of that is because of Wreath, right? Mm. But you you do have a point too, because the tone is good, right? Like you know, I gave Crash Point Tower a lower score because the tone is weird in mm. that book, and then it starts to make me question if it's really Star Wars, right? I mean, it is, right? But it's it's on the edge. Well, also we know I'm not gonna make that the Jedi Master joke again, but that really brought it down for me. But yeah, like the tone in this book is solid, and it feels like Star Wars. And in terms of that, yeah, it's all good. So if we read crash point tower after rising storm we would have given rising storm a better review probably yeah probably uh, i would have given, given it 9.5 i would have given crash point tower an even lower score then because i would have <laughs> heard them say it right yeah and i would have come over to yeah, this one yeah, yeah yeah but uh yeah i think that about wraps up our rankings and from here let's head into the outro Welcome to the end of this week's episode of Temple Archives. If you've stuck through to the very end, as always, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And if you are looking forward to what we're doing next week, like Dan said at the top, we are going to jump back into the original trilogy era 
and we are going to be doing another comic, and this is going to be Star Wars Volume 4, Last Flight of the Harbinger. So this is a much older book, but one that I haven't read yet, so I'm excited to go through this one. And my only expectations are, I hope it's better than Rebel Jail, because I'm never going to stop It only goes up from here. <laughs> that has one also, of the most listens we have also, out of our most recent podcasts. Oh, interesting. There you go. I mean, I will also say in the same breath, and I will say it forever, it's not like I hate the guys who are behind Rebel Jail, because Vader Down was amazing. So good. It's just, you know, you have your off days. Yes. But if you guys have any questions about this episode, or your own queries, or honestly anything, your own comments on what we said, anything like that we'd love to hear from you guys and dan would you mind telling the listeners i also i keep getting annoyed with this this is just a, a vernacular that i have when i say guys i'm not just trying to make that for men i just say guys all the time everyone sex word for me that's my little ted talk anyways because i just say it all the time and i get annoyed because i think you know people are gonna think oh only guys you're gonna get canceled I, from I think, this noma yeah i basically every time i say that, I'm you like, know oh, on social some, media someone's gonna listen to this and be like oh only i like oh noma only thinks that guys listen to this podcast no I don't judge. It's just, it's just I'm hardwired that way, unfortunately. Yeah, so our generation is kind of hardwired that way, sadly. It's also just for me. It's just because I grew up with like mostly guy friends, or only guy friends really, until like the end of high school. So hmm. just kind of stuck. But anyways, that's a little bit of a segue. Like I was saying before, if you have any comments, questions, queries, anything like that that you'd like to tell us, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, bash on me for my using, using the term guys all the time. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to get in contact with us, Dan, would you mind telling the listeners how they can do that? Unless Chancey Yarrow intercepts your communications to us, we should get them. <laughs> you can find us over at voiceoftheforce.com where you can find all of our episode posts, our shop, and everything about the podcast. There even an about section about us, a little bit of a mm -hmm. um, little info about our backstory of Star being Star Wars fans. Email at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Social media, Twitter, Instagram, at VoiceForcePod. Retweeting and reposting on our stories on Instagram really does help with our new episode tweets and posts and growing our listener base. Sorry, guys. It's all good. Uh, it helps grow our listener base and is very much appreciated. Make sure you listen, rate, review, and follow, as well as subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Amazon Music, and all major podcast platforms. Remember to review us with five stars and a comment as it helps with people finding the podcast and kind of seeing what you liked about it the most. As well, if you follow or subscribe for free, you will get the latest episode as soon as it releases downloaded to your device. Thank you, Dan. And once again, from all of us here at Voice of the Force, thank you for listening and may the Force be with you. <laughs>